0: Hi. I'm Danielle. And this is one of each. Hi. This is not a normal episode. Earlier this month, I put together and hosted a panel for TV writer's assistants and script coordinators to demystify the two jobs and the process of getting them. I promised to record it for those who couldn't make it that day. And the only way I know how to process and post an audio file this big is in this format, so here we are. It's a bit long, but very informative, and I hope you like it. Hi, we're gonna get started. Is that cool? Is everyone have food?
1: Okay, great. Um,
0: A few things before we like officially, officially go. Um, The bathroom you should use is through those back doors, the ones you came in. Um, If you're going to get up, just try and be quiet-ish because we're recording. And if you're objecting to being a part of photos, just like raise a hand right now because we're going to take pics. so um, don't raise them hand. <laughs> okay,
1: good, we're good. Uh,
2: so let's start. Is there music playing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, is it James Taylor? <laughs> it sounded like James Taylor. I've been
0: talking a lot about James Taylor the past three days because I'm in love with him um. at any age. Um, Hi, welcome, thanks for coming. That's in my schedule, welcome and interest. Um, I'm Danielle, we're doing this for you guys and for ourselves. Um, Something I noticed when I was unemployed for many, many months is that every job that was posted was like, seeking script coordinator, must have a year or two of experience, no exceptions, we can't train you or help you, blah, blah, blah. So writer's assistant jobs weren't being posted very often, which I'm sure you have seen as well. Um, And a lot since so many things in this industry are word of mouth and there's no training until you're doing the job, it is frustrating when you don't have a job and you're trying to find one and there are seemingly none. So this is to try and give you some insight and information on what these jobs actually are and maybe how you can get them, maybe how we got them, as you know there's no clear path to anything, but it helps to know like various paths just in case and we're gonna get started. So, um, I'm gonna, well, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves and some mic for each table, but uh, I'm Danielle. Hello, uh, I'm a writer's assistant. I work right now at The Simpsons and worked previously at Conan and Miracle Workers and maybe Tribeca and a couple other weird things. So,
2: you can start at that.
1: Hi. Can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, can't
2: yeah, work you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Christina. I'm the script coordinator on the show Continental, coming to stars this summer. Oh, previous jobs were Family Reunion, Being married Jean, Greenleaf, and The New Edition Story. Hello, I'm Michelle. Um, I'm currently a writer assistant on a show that's called Pieces of Birds and that will be on Netflix. And previously, I was a writer's assistant. I'm a writer's assistant on that show. Um, and previously was on a show called Mrs. America. That will be coming out on um, FX. And then I was also, got my first shot as a writer's key at Grey's uh, My name is Rachel.
3: I'm uh, currently a script coordinator on this show called Condor for Audience Network. Um, I've previously been a writer's assistant on a lot of shows. <laughs> um uh like a lot of Timoneric stuff, um Bedtime Stories, Eric Andre Show, Um Decker, uh Casual, which is not Timeneric, um uh, Take Two. This is my first like serious for job been in a lot of writers and so you can figure it out. It's not <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this is my serious drama well, this is yeah, serious five, drama so. and we'll talk later about how it's different to be a script in a drama as opposed to a comedy, but yeah.
4: Hi, I'm Brittany. I'm a script coordinator on a show called Dollface. I was previously a writer's assistant and script coordinator on a show called Florida Girls. And then before that, I was a writer's PA for Angie Tribeca. I talked already.
5: (laughs) Hi, I'm Lauren. Uh, I am a staff writer on a DreamWorks show called Spirit Writing Free. I was previously a script coordinator on that show. And then I was a development assistant both at DreamWorks and Ventilocks before that.
6: Hi, I'm Jerica. I was on Blackish, Beat, and Being Mary Jane. Um, I just signed on to be a writer assistant on a Disney Plus show.
7: Hey, I'm Dan. Uh, I'm currently on Upwork. If anyone needs their ebook spell checked, and uh, I was the writer assistant on two seasons of uh, a show called Alone Together, which was on Freeform. I script-coordinated uh, another pilot for that network that didn't go, and then before that, a million years ago, I was a writer's PA on a show called uh, Mysteries of Laura, which some people may have heard. Yeah! yeah I, know.
8: <laughs> I thought that was going to be a thing. Uh, my name's Matt. I'm a writer's assistant at uh, Family Guy. Prior to that, I was a writer's assistant on uh, the TV Land original sitcom, The X's*. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and before that I was uh, doing office production PA jobs on a host of terrible sitcoms that all promptly got cancelled in their first season.
9: I'm Olga, I'm the writer's assistant on Queen of the South, where I've been for three seasons now, and where I started as a writer's PA. Um, I've also worked, uh, as a showrunner's assistant on the pulpy comedy Girls Code at Freeform. And I tapped as a writer's assistant on Charmed recently. So before that, I worked at a studio as an assistant in current programming, which is like overseeing all the series on here.
0: Okay, those are your panelists, yay. Um, so my my first question, because this gets asked uh, quite a bit, is in general like, how did you get your first job? But also, um, what people forget is a lot of times it's nepotism. So,
1: or, or, uh, hey,
0: it's a fair question, and I won't judge you too hard if the answer is like, my mommy is my showrunner. Um, but, um, so that is my first question is Do you have any family connections that helped you in the industry, nepotism wise? Um, I'm also gonna answer first every time so you guys aren't like under heaps of pressure. Um, so, my answer is no. <laughs> uh, my mom a teacher. Um, and I actually got my first like actual gig, which was interning at Conan, um, through my dad, but on nepotism wise, who happened to sell a car to a producer there. And because he is a dad, he had a picture of me on his desk <laughs> in a graduation cap. And the producer was like, Oh, it looks like she just graduated. Does she need any help? And he was like, an internship would be tight, <laughs> unpaid if you will, um, and that's how I got my interview, so sometimes it happens like magic, um, but again, yeah, that was just the interview. I did like get the job myself, um, but yeah, other than that, no, no family connections at all. I actually told my, my aunt that I got the job at The Simpsons, and she was like, is that the one where they're yellow? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, so yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know what's up. Um to And yeah, we
0: can start. Do, should we like alternate ends? Yes.
9: That might be fun. <laughs> Let's start with
1: Olga,
9: uh, if you're cool with yeah. Yeah, um, I don't have any kind of family connections here. I, I like to emphasize that because I, I feel like a lot of people get discouraged by not thinking you have to know somebody to get a job. I come from a poor immigrant family. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> in my family does, anyone in Hollywood. Uh, uh, so I was very fortunate enough to get to USC. And while there, I did a bunch of unpaid internships. One of those led to a paid internship at a studio. That paid internship led to an assistant job at a studio. And um, after being at the studio for two years, my boss knew I wanted to get into a room, so he put me up for my first writer's PA job on a show he had developed when he had been um, at Fox, which is our studio. Um, And that's Queen of the South, which is where I am now. And I've miraculously managed to stay on and keep getting promoted. So I've been pretty lucky, I think.
1: (laughs)
8: Thank you. Um, My very first industry job, uh, I st- I'm not. I don't know why I got it, but I was. Uh, I went to Columbia College Chicago, and they. I think they still do a semester in LA program where they had a classroom. At the time, they had a bungalow on the CBS Radford lot, and they taught classes out of there. And the idea was uh, to take 12, 15 students, put them all in LA, teach classes there, and then you basically graduate and stay in LA, which is not the worst idea. Um, but I, for whatever reason, on the very last day of classes, the guy who ran the program, who I had spoken all of two words to all semester, just literally waved me over and said, Hey, do you want a job? And I was like, "Damn!" Yeah, yeah.
1: And
8: he said, go next, go to the bungalow next door, ask for Franco. I
1: was
8: like, okay, I'm, okay, I'll do that. They don't get drugs, they do will get a job, I don't know, this is unusual. But I went next door, I asked for uh, Franco, and uh, Franco met with me and took my resume and uh, I interviewed and got hired. I didn't realize at the time that this producer, Franco Barrio, was this very big time line producer who had produced like Say by the Bell and thousands of sitcoms throughout the 90s. But I, I, I got hired, and I got hired on the strength of the uh, food service jobs that were on my resume. And I was told that explicitly by the <laughs> Um And then uh, I worked in sitcoms for a while in production, and I eventually became a showrunner's assistant on a different show, and uh, got a bump up to writer's assistant for me. Uh, I... Uh, I-
7: I used to live on the East Coast, I lived in New York, and I started off uh, in cable news. And, but I had gone to film school, and uh, eventually I hit the breaking point where I, I knew I didn't want to work in news anymore, I knew I wanted to make the jump, and I was like 28 at the time. And uh, luckily, someone that I had gone to film school with worked as an assistant in Warner Brothers' main production uh, out in Los Angeles. I was still in New York, and she was like, well, we have a bunch of shows that shoot in New York, I could probably get your job in the production office, but like, heads up, you're going to have to start at the bottom again if you get one of those jobs. Um, and so I uh, interviewed for, uh, I worked in the production office of Misery Alora which shoots in a, um, a studio called Silver Cup, which is in Queens, it's an old bread factory. And uh, I had my interview there, and I had this like, resume that I was really proud of, like, oh, yeah, I'm a producer, or, like, whatever, and uh, the, the guy was like, hey, you're hired, Bill LaCroix or right over there, start
1: putting him in the fridge. <laughs> and, uh,
7: and then, and then uh, I won't do the whole history of how I've been in L.A., but uh, while I was there, I just was like, aggressively trying to get on the radar of the folks in the writer's room, the people who were in Los Angeles. And then eventually when, uh, when I made the, the move to LA, I knew like a handful of people and I had some threads to pull on. So make, make lots of friends, folks.
1: Oh, okay, hi guys. I My first
6: job was in reality TV. I know, we're not gonna talk about it. Um, <laughs> but I did work with a showrunner and like that's how I started. But my first job on a show was blackish. I was office PA. And I actually said volunteer at the Writers Guild. So do that, because you meet showrunners you get to talk to them. And I met um, Kenya there and I followed up with him for like a year and a half, and like I kept like, hey, it's me, I just did this thing, I just did this thing. Oh, I just did this thing, I just did this thing. Um, And then like over time, he actually responded maybe twice, and then um, forwarded my resume to his assistant who brought me in for an interview to be an office VA. And then yeah, I got the job. Uh,
5: So my first industry job was an internship that I got from blind applying, which never happens, but that has happened to me twice that I've gotten jobs from blind applying. Uh, but the first one was an internship with a couple who had a show on Food Network, and the guy who was the chef didn't know how to look for an intern, so he posted on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> and
4: I actually got the job. <laughs>
5: and uh, spent a wonderful summer being unpaid but eating a lot of Italian food. and. They were generous enough that they were moving to Brooklyn, and they were like, we can't take you with us, but you are welcome to lie on your resume and say that you are our assistant for a year. And I was like, great, I'll take it. So on my my resume, it said I was their assistant for a year, and they totally backed me up when people called. And then uh, I have a a second cousin once removed who is out here, but he works in post and he hired me at a post house as their uh, file clerk for less than, they paid me just low enough that I wouldn't be able to get any benefits.
2: Um, so he's a
5: great cousin, but he didn't employ my current husband, so that's good. Uh, but I was able to kind of network from there, and then my first job in like, development was literally from blind applying to another place. Uh, But my first, my way I got into a room was, I had heard they were opening up a script coordinator job on a show, so I put myself out there and with the exec, and they asked asked if I had a sample, and I lied and said yes. And so I wrote a sample, uh, which was not my best, but that's okay, because it got me the job. Uh, But the way I got the job, and this is super important, is in my meeting with the showrunner, she mentioned the book like four times. So I went and read the book and made sure to stop by her office and like comment on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's super important. If somebody mentions something, it's important to them. That's
0: very smart. Um, I also was gonna mention, the content internship I think is still unpaid, but you can also blind apply, apply. Like most people who do that internship just apply online. Um, also, Every job I have gotten since then has been through knowing people who put me up for jobs. Even this one, um, I think the Simpsons job was posted online, was like a blind thing, and they didn't say what show it was, but it was like long-running animated series, half hour, blah blah. blah. I was like, okay, there's only like ten of those, and I don't think many of them are hiring. But I knew I applied through that as well. But I also knew someone through another job who had worked there, not even as the writer's assistant, and was just like, hey, I can submit you for this if you want. So, I hate networking so much, um, <laughs> but what I don't hate is meeting people and befriending them, and then supporting them, which is <laughs> the friendly version of networking. <laughs> like, people don't tell you they exist. So you can just, like, become friends with people and then help each other. And that works the same. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
4: <laughs> yeah, piggybacking off of that, all of my jobs have been through friends. You have your friends, which is nice. Um, my first job I got actually meeting, I met a girl at UCB. We took an improv class together and she was a writer's PA on a show. And I asked if I could buy her a coffee and just ask her about her job experience. And we got coffee, and she said she would keep me in mind for the next time they were hiring people, and she did, and that's how I got my foot in the door. But this was after, like, 75 coffees. I mean, I took a lot of people out to coffee, and that one stuck. But I don't have any uh, family connections or family in the industry. My mom thinks I get paid to do independent improv, so that's
1: (laughs) (laughs) fine. That's their connection.
4: Yeah. I'll (laughs) pay for it.
3: Um, I also had no uh, family connections. My families are all working nonprofit in the East Coast, so that was zero help. Um, but I moved up here. The timing was really good because it was right before um, unpaid internships became hella illegal. So I was able to postgraduate get an unpaid internship um, off of a website that still exists. It's called entertainingcareers.net. I don't know if people are still posting on that, but um, so yeah, that's a good one. And when people are like, "What resources?" I always say that one. Um, it was a really sketchy interview where they were like, come to this place, we can't tell you what it is, but it's a show, and I'm like, am I walking into a porno? I don't know. Uh. Um, and it was these two guys in plaid shirts, and they said, do you have a car, and I said, yes, and then they talked to each other for ten minutes, and then told me oh I got God. the <laughs> Um, but that ended up working out really well for me, because, um, I interned on this show called Review on Comedy Central for two months, and then, uh, Thought the writer's assistant was incredible and I wanted to be her friend so badly, so I internet stalked her and found out that she went to my college, um, so I reintroduced myself to her with that context and she went, oh, I'm actually going to go to India for a month and I was going to leave the writers high and dry, but if you want to um, fill in for me, <laughs> if you want to fill in for me, they'll probably pay you. And so I was like, yes, I will, I will do that, um, so I, I uh, filled in for the writer's assistant doing what I would later learn was script coordinator work. Um, And when she came (laughs) back, I uh, worked in the office on that show for the remainder of the first season, and then the producer um, hired me to be his assistant for the next two years. um, And I worked for him, and he was incredible, and he knew that I wanted to be in rooms. And when uh, another show that the production company was doing needed a writer's assistant, he lent me out for the seven weeks that that room was so I could get my first credit. And from there, I was able to get my first that show more, like, established writers and credit on casual, um, and so that was,
2: that was like that. Um, so I just stayed super thirsty. <laughs> 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 um, and i was also super fortunate to go to USC, um, and the screenwriting program just, like, has their shit together. Um, and so I was, um, in a class, and I was a super Shonda fangirl and one of the one of the guest speakers was currently a writer's PA. And when she got bumped up, she knew I was a super Shonda fangirl and, um, reached out and I literally sent my resume to her within like four minutes, <laughs> it was crazy, um, and came into that interview, um, and was super thirsty. If they think I was enthusiastic, I was thirsty, um, and, and got it and so that was my first job and then the decision to leap Grace to go to, um, the show, the, my last show, um, as a writer's assistant, it was another professor at USC who got her first show, and she's amazing if you ever get a chance to meet or work with Dobby Waller, Do It, she's just a phenomenal human being, she's going to take over the industry. And she was like, don't leave Grace for this. But I was like, oh, wait a minute. Because <laughs> I was still a PA, and I was going to be a PA for a very long time, and anyone who is doing that work, you are the heroes of the industry, I love you so much, thank you for everything you do. Because that job kills your soul sometimes. <laughs> um, and so, um, that was how I got my first writer assistant gig. And then. That show, I met another writer who has become my saving grace, and that's how I got the show I'm on now. Um, I actually do have an uncle who is a director and writer in the industry, I'm a TV director um, currently, right now but he has never got me a job. He's only offered me advice.
1: Um, he <laughs> said he doesn't know how to get me
2: a job, and I was like, okay. <laughs>
1: um, but I started
2: off as a director's assistant. I got it from um, assistant position at a fellowship that I was at. One of the writers there was like, hey, my old boss needs an assistant, and I got that. But how I got in the writer's room was being thirsty and mm-hmm. blind, emailing this guy that my friend met um, I t- basically told him I was like, look, I want to be in the writer's room, suicidal. I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> like I really want to be a writer, like I don't know what I have to do, like suck dick, what do I need to do? And um shout out to Hank <laughs> <laughs> And actually I got invited um to it after, after Google, a rap party for um, the- for Blackish by actually Jerica and I finally <laughs> met him in person. And he was like, oh, it's you! (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, oh, let's talk. Like, I really was, like, concerned about you. (laughs) And after again, week by week, him checking on me Uh and me checking on him to see if he had any jobs. He got a job on this miniseries called The New Edition Story. And he ended up getting a job, a staffing job, in the middle of filming. And he was like, hey, you want to be a script coordinator? I was like, I have no idea what a coordinator does. He was like, you slide. And then I, I went to the interview, I lied. And they were like, hey, do you want to meet the writer who you'll be working with? And the writer was a write, was a feature writer that I met two years before at a book fair at Crenshaw Mall. <laughs> <laughs> AKA was also on top of that, the former assistant to my uncle, <laughs>
1: who helped me out. <laughs> and I found all this out afterwards
2: on a new
0: edition story. There you go. I'm in shock. <laughs> but,
1: uh,
0: but I also realized I forgot to answer my own question, uh, which will likely happen many more times. Um, I, so that, that Conan internship, um, Yeah, I made it very clear that I wanted to be the writer's assistant, And there is no writer's PA there, because that's what the interns are at those PA's. Um, But I befriended very really, like not like a fake friendship, the writer's assistant and was like, you're gonna be my mentor. Um, I told him that. (laughs) Um, And I said like, this is what I wanna do. I type really fast, I'm smart. Um, So if you hear of anything, let me know. I would like to make money for the things that I'm doing. Um,
1: And
0: when, I ended the internship, because they like give you a certain amount of time, you know, you can't stay forever. So I had like five months was my little block, and I left, and then I had gotten to fill in a few times as Conan's second assistant, and Jeff Ross, who's the EP there, second assistant, just covering their desks and covering phones, and I'm terrible at phones, but that's fine. <laughs> they still like me. Um, but doing that a couple times meant that I was just like around the two of them and around their assistants, and I left, and then I had two weeks where I was like, still living with my parents and not knowing what I was doing. And then they called me and were like, hey, do you want to just like be the second assistant? We don't like have it as a job, but you can just like, do it.
1: It's
0: like, tight. So I came back and like, answered the phones when their assistants were in the bathroom. And that was it. Um, And I never could leave my desk. It was great. They got me a desk from Ikea because there technically was no place for me to sit. Um, And I had like a desk that was like the size of this section, just in the hallway. And um, it was also facing the wall, which it never occurred to me to be like, can I face out? (laughs) Until Conan was like, why do you face the wall? Um, but I did that for like three months, and then the writer's assistant was like, hey, I'm leaving, do you wanna take a typing test and see if you can do this? And I did, and they gave me that job. So, again, thirst, thirstiness, um, thirst, I had it, um, I still do. I found that one thing in job interviews that is helpful, or before that, like I, again, I made it very clear, I was like, I wanna be a writer, I wanna be a writer's assistant, if anything comes up, let me know. Um, but even in jobs that, I, like job that I've had recently, at the end I just say like, I want this, <laughs> and that has worked um, because a lot of times people try to be cool, and I don't know how to do that successfully.
1: And I heard
0: that people be like, oh, yeah, I just kind of sat back and was like, I'm perfect for this. And then they gave it to me with my confidence, and I'm like, tight.
9: <laughs> I Sorry to interrupt, but I just want to say I do that at the end of every interview, too. Yeah. Always i always like, do, they're like, do you have any questions? I'm like, can I have the job?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs>
9: I've, I've never I think not you posted, <laughs> and this is over talking for the recording, people.
0: Um, I think you posted in the group once, like someone posted like. Do you have any advice for job interviews? I'm I'm getting the interviews, but I'm not getting the job, so it's wrong. And you said, like, have you just told them you want it? And I was like, (laughs) I'll just start doing that. And I did that in my Simpsons interview. Like, the second it ended, I was like, just a heads up, I'm not cool. I'm just going to tell you I want the job really bad. (laughs) And it worked.
9: So I I swear to God, having interviewed people to work um, on my show, like, as writer's case and showrunner's assistants... Like sometimes you meet somebody and you just can't tell if they want the job. And like realistically they're interviewed for it because they want it. But like those Or if are they're desperate and have been on yeah, the for seven months. And <laughs> they like sometimes you just can't get it from people. Like you can't tell if they've seen the show, you can't tell if they even want to write. Like I'll be like, What do you want to do? They're like Hi. Be an assistant. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually think it's great to make your uh, desire for a job known up front. Yeah, and um, if you want the job, you should
0: interview for the job. Again, I've been very desperate. I just worked for three months at J.Crew. Like, I get it. Uh, like, literally until last week I was at J.Crew. <laughs> um, but if you don't, like, want the job in a writer's room, maybe don't interview for it. Uh, just because so many people do want that job, <laughs> and, like, I've been every level of a writer's room now at this point, and, like, writer's PA jobs, people are like, oh, well, I don't want to be a writer, but, like, I need a PA job. That's not the job for you. Take a PA job. Those jobs are posted a lot more often than writer's PA jobs. Um, I don't know if anyone has anything good to have.
6: Go for it. But otherwise, I'll, I'll
2: move forward. I will say I was a coordinator and a writer's PA at the same time. Everybody thinks that being a writer's PA sucks,
1: <laughs> it does not
2: suck. You get to know the little things about the writers that you should know already, like what kind of coffee, it's very stupid to you, but knowing their coffee, oh my god, that starts so many conversations, and they're like, and if you suggest a different coffee for them to try for the day, that simple thing means like, oh, let me open the conversation up a little more. or oh, this person knows me a little bit better, let me let me see what, what this is all about. A oh God, the lab, first time that you sick.
0: tell someone, like, oh, I know your order,
1: yes. Yes. I mean, they think you're a rich.
0: genius.
2: They're like, you remember
0: that it's a medium blonde rose? You're like, yeah, you've gotten that 14 days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> but they love it. And then when the position opens up, they're like, oh, that girl pays attention.
2: It's a, it's a bond and you want that because, again, if you want to be a, writer's, a writer and you're in the writer's room, you have to build that bond because sometimes writer's PA, I don't know if you got to, sometimes writer PA gets to sit in the <coughs> actual writer's room and some do not. So you're really trying to bargain your t- time to um, build relationships with with all the writers.
6: I was just going to say, uh, as a writer's PA, oh
2: sorry, go, uh, as a writer's PA,
6: like. Knowing your showrunner's lunch order is so yes. important for all of their favorite restaurants. Like, keeping notes of that is just like, oh, look at you, like, oh, my God, you're so yeah. fucking smart. Like, come in the room, like, what do you think about me? They right. <laughs> <laughs> love
1: you, so I know that.
6: Treat your showrunner like gold. Because your whole job is to make their lives easier. Yeah, that's the
9: whole and point. it's like, I, I, I really think I've been with my boss for three seasons now because when our PA, like, comes up and is like, do you know what she would want? I'm like, she's on the whole 30 diet. She can't eat dried cranberries, dairy, or wheat.
5: Uh,
9: and she doesn't have to say that. And I feel like she saves that energy for real stuff.
5: I'll, I'll say this as well. Um, I worked for a, a showrunner who was very um, particular. And I got to a point of knowing what she needed enough to where she would send me to meetings for her. And it was an invaluable experience for me to literally go in as, I'm standing in for the showrunner today, and I know exactly what we're gonna do in this very real meeting. Um, So being literally their right-hand person, when that showrunner left, I stepped in until they got a new one. Um, So it's invaluable, literally. Being there, being there, and knowing what they're gonna say before they're gonna say it, And being able to turn to them and go, here's what we talked about earlier, so that's what you want. Invaluable. Then they put you in that spot, too, because they know you can handle it.
2: Um, Just one thing, because, like, yes, being a PA can suck and also, like, be really good at it. The one thing I will say is, like, I was on a show where, like, being raising from PA to the next thing takes years. Like, three years. Being a PA on... And that was a really hard show to be a PA on. And so like, know when you're going on to a show, like talk to the assistants, get a sense of that. Because, you know, you wanna be excellent at your job. And sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes you're still not going to get to raise up to that next level. Because there are literally six other assistants ahead of you. Um, and that's six seasons that you have to be willing to do that job and know your worth. I was not re- I was not willing to be a PA for six years of my life. At some point, like I want to have kids, like I wanna- <laughs> <laughs> like I want to clear up my skin, like there's- <laughs> I wanted to do work, like I can't do that in this role. Um, and so, like that is part of it. So.
1: But, like, I knew
2: everyone, I still know everyone. Zoanne Clack on Grace Anatomy always wants, it's like, the African something tea at Coffee Bean, no sugar added vanilla, like, you never forget it. But also, like, I just, I couldn't know that forever. <laughs> like, I don't want to know that a year from now. That's also, like, the blonde
0: roast example was a real one. That's one of two head writers Conan. I got his
9: coffee for six months. Another oh, sorry, go
4: ahead.
7: We have so many
9: microphones.
7: Um, I, I was just gonna say like every, you have to treat every job like it's an interview for the next job, like even if even if you, you know, it, it, like no one likes taking lunch orders and having to keep everything straight and the stress of going to lemonade and having to deal with the guy who's an asshole and you know, and having to check each order and make sure that they pre- remember to take out the thing, it's like, there's nothing glamorous about it, but every promotion and every job, like put yourself in the shoes of a showrunner, you have like 10 favors to give, right? So some people are gonna be people that came out of nowhere, their agents submitted them, but a lot of them are gonna be friends, a lot of the people they're hiring for those assistant, uh, writer's assistant, script coordinator, and showrunner's assistant jobs are, they might be people they know, and that might be the office PA who, you know, they uh, observe it, like really busting their butt and being vocal about trying to get into the writer's room, or the writer's PA, it's like, if it's a favor that that person has to give, they're not gonna hire the person who they've observed, like, their their instinct is to do the least work. They want somebody who's gonna bust their butt, have an awesome attitude about it, even if it's not the most uh, glamorous job. Like, just treat it like the whole experience is your interview for the next step. Um, yeah, oh,
3: sorry. Sorry. Um, and, and, like, going off of that, everybody can tell if you're the PA that feels
1: resentful about it. Um, it's really yes. clear, even if you're trying not to have it be so. Um, <laughs>
3: so, I mean, yes, it's it's, Grueling grunt work and as it can be, and we've all done it in some form across the industry. But just to make sure that you really are the person that's having the best attitude out of the bad situation because there are PAs that have been that kind of grumpy and then ask me for help, and I don't want to put them up because it makes it feel like it reflects poorly on me if they're gonna go in and have the same attitude at another job. So that's just a really important thing to keep in mind.
5: I'm gonna piggyback off of that as well and say if you can make everyone knows that the PA and the grunt work stuff is shitty. Like everyone knows that, including the people you're working for. If you can make it look effortless, people think they can give you more. So the more people want to give you, the more you're going to be somebody that is reliable, and the more that people are going to want to give you more and give you opportunities because if you can handle, you know, 15 lunch orders perfectly every single time, then great, then maybe they can, you know let you sit in and take notes because you handled that no problem and that was easy and i know it's not going to be easy but your job is to make it look so effortless that it's not even on your radar that you can do other things and do that and then eventually they'll just sort of assume that you can do anything um
0: yeah i agree um and two things off that one is that happened to me um, also, a comment. I spent a lot of time there. That's why most of my stuff is in right now. But when I was an intern, I got to cover the desk of the office coordinator like a month in because I just did everything right before that. And that was paid. Like they paid me to cover that job because it was like an actual amount of time. And then because I did that okay, they let me cover for the writer's assistant. So, you know, like they, they trust you once you do things, and it might not be the thing that you think. You need to be doing, but like I got the lunches right, I got the coffees right, and anytime the phone would ring, <clears throat> I was one of the older interns as like 21. Horrible. Um, but I was the only one not afraid <laughs> to answer the phone. Um, <laughs> like the 18-year-olds, like the phone would ring and they'd just be like, uh. <laughs> so I would just pick it up and be like, hi, Conan, this is Danielle. Like and every time someone called it was like internal too so it was like someone in the office being like hey can you come up and cover this desk and because i answered then i could do it so answer phone calls um but just like yeah do your job super well and that this is not the next question but it is one that i thought about last night um i have seen i mean it kind of is so i have gotten really bad advice i've gotten really good advice for these jobs but one thing that I've seen across the board is like, you never want to be too good at your assistant job because they'll never see you as anything more than that. Which I hate, and that is bad advice. Because why would you purposely be bad at your job in hopes that you would get a better one? Like, that's crazy. And I, I, I was wondering if anyone else had that happen. Because I had that happen to me at like three separate places that were like, but just so you know, you're never gonna be promoted, also like, it's fine if you forget things. I was like, excuse me? Like, forgetting things is my nightmare. And I would never want to type slower than I could. Like, for what? Who does that serve? But also, like, just in general, like, I like to um, do well. Uh, and when I'm not doing well, I'm like, oh, I can improve here and I will do that. So, because anyone told you not to do your job well because they won't see you as a future writer?
5: I have the opposite problem. Oh, good. I had someone who literally was like, I don't want to promote you. I love having you as my assistant. Oh, yeah. So um, that does happen. That doesn't mean be bad at your job. That means when that person says that, it's time to look for a new job because they will never promote you. Um, when I asked for a promotion, they laughed in my face and said, No, I love having you as my assistant. And that's it. And so I walked back to my desk and emailed everyone I knew and said, I'm looking for a new job. That just means it's time to leave the company. Even if you really like your job, even if your boss is nice, you will never move up the minute they decide you're a career assistant. And there are people who are career assistants, who love being career assistants. You have to figure out if you're gonna be one of them, and the minute you decide you're not, time to go. Oh, sorry. But
0: don't let them know you're leaving.
5: Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's taken me
0: many years to not show every emotion on my face. which sometimes can be good, but a lot of times can be bad if you're like in a job interview and they're like, so you're mostly just going to be fetching me things, and you're like,
4: oh, okay. Like, <laughs> uh,
0: so if that happens, which has also happened to me, just be like, cool, like, thank yep. you, I'm glad cool. you like having me here. Yep. And then go to your desk and you know those people.
9: <laughs> I actually, um oh, sorry, did I interrupt? No, no, no. Oh. Uh, on my show, the first two seasons I was on it, there was one showrunner. Who left, and then uh, the two writers who were under her got promoted for the season I'm on now. And the previous writer's assistant was like college best friends with her. Uh, he had never worked in the industry. He had no desire to be a writer's assistant, and he kept saying like, basically, I don't have to do this job well because I know she's going to give me a script. She never gave him a script. Uh, the the people that I work for now, who are showrunners, kept telling him like, your notes are really bad. <laughs> Uh, Like, you're spending all your time in the room focusing on trying to pitch ideas and be a writer, but your job is to take notes, and, like, can you do these things to improve? And he just wouldn't, because he's like, they're not my boss. Uh, He's not there anymore, and I have his job. So (laughs) I I do think it is is not good to to just be like, ah, I don't need to do the job. They're just going to promote me anyway, which is an attitude a lot of people have.
2: Yeah, and I, I have something similar to that situation um, and I've, I've talked about it with these two as well um, about knowing your worth and knowing when you need to leave um, I had a show where the showrunner told me he was going to give me an episode to write and I was like fuck yes <laughs> and he was like you're going to sit at the table with all writers and you're going to pitch and if you don't pitch I'm not going to give you episode so you know what I did? I pitched every single day but then we got a new co-EP mid-season and, um, she did not like that I think she hated everything that I said, basically. And basically kind of went to war with me on when I didn't like some of her pitches. And, um, but I was going off the studio network notes, which you'll come to know of just like studio networks want this with the story. So stay on that track. And she <laughs> never did. And I remember one day the showrunner stepped out the room and she said in front of all the writers, hey, Christina, it seems like every time you don't like one of my pitches, it's like you're calling me a bitch. And I took it as that, like, so now I need to go. And I ended up taking breaks during lunchtime to go interview for new jobs uh, because I knew because of her I would never get promoted. She just saw me as a script coordinator, and I didn't want to be in a place where I was undervalued. And she could be able to convince people around her that I should not move up. And I think with all this being said, know your worth and know where your growth is going to happen in the place that you end up.
6: I was just gonna say, I used to work on a show as a writer's assistant, and it's a small room. And for context, the show is like a black female lead, and there's maybe like the showrunner is a black woman, and then there's a staff writer a black woman, and there's me. And the showrunner, we me filming in a different state, so the showrunner was gone. And the one of the executive executive producers on the show told me to stop talking. <laughs> he was like, I'm gonna give you some advice. He's like, I just think you should stop talking in the room. And um, so I did. I did that for a whole week. I was super quiet. And if you know me, that's like, what?
1: <laughs> and,
6: and so one of the EPs, it was a woman, who like pulled her off, and she's like, what's wrong? Like, why aren't you talking, stuff like that? And I told her what happened. And. It it didn't blow up in my face like that, but I just... I realized that people who are in power and are above you aren't always going to give you the best advice, and it's up to you to figure out what's good and what's not good. Um, so yeah.
8: Always talk if you can. This, uh... The the position of writer's assistant for a long time was basically an apprentice writing position, and... In the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, that was the case. It was basically, uh, not necessarily automatic, but... You know, you would work in this job for uh, one season, two seasons, and then get promoted to staff writer. That's no longer the case, unfortunately. And, like, this is not as direct of a path as it used to be. So, I mean, if your job is to become a writer, you know, there are a million ways to get in there. On my show, we hired a guy off of Twitter <laughs> <laughs> because Seth McCarland liked his Twitter account. A
0: lot of people are being hired off Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Good Twitter. <laughs> Easy Danielle is very good at Twitter yes. <laughs> um, I haven't gotten
8: stabbed yet so. yeah. I'm not saying lean on Twitter is like your career <laughs> but you know you can do it but, um, in my experience uh, I mean I've been I've on a show that's been on TV for since 1999 and half of the writing staff are former assistants in fact the showrunner for many years was the writer's assistant on season one That being said, they've not promoted anyone from within in six or seven years. And so, yeah, whoever whistled was right to do so. (laughs) Uh, So, I am coming up at the end of this season, I'm looking at my time, like, to have the, you know, sit down, where's this relationship going chat with my showrunners. And, you know, as people were saying, like, know your worth and know, like, they're when you take a job, you have to know if there's going to be a future for you there. Because, you know, we don't want to be career systems.
3: Yeah, um, Rachel, you had something? Um, so, going off of Billy, like, what is good or bad advice that you've gotten? Um, a shorter told me recently, if you're on a show as a support staff and you go a year or two and they're not promoting you, you need to get out of there. If they're not promoting you to being staffed they're not, you should leave. And I thought that was crazy because I spent, this. I've been in, this is my 10th room on, variety of different shows, but at the same time, I was thinking about the past experiences that I've had in places, not necessarily shows, but companies that I've worked for the same producers and the same show owners. and have they floated me? Have they even had any women in the room? Have I been sexually harassed at every single one of them? Yes, and so when you look at those situations, these jobs are so coveted, and it's so hard to Like what christina was saying it's so hard when you're in a bad situation but you have this coveted position to be like i need to take care of myself and i need to think about what's going to be best for me long term not just in this moment in terms of what my job is you know you really have to take care of yourselves because these are also a lot of times you're working in rooms where you're there for 14 or 16 hours excuse me a day and it's hard to like really check in with yourself but it's important and i have not gone back to that place, and now the show that I'm on is the first time where
9: I'm getting half an episode, and that's never happened to me before, so like, that's really important. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. I have story I'd love to share. Um, on the second season of my show that I'm on now, when I was the writer's PA, the studio cut all of the assistant's pay down, uh, and we lost about $100 a week, which to us is a lot of money. So we went to our showrunner and we said, will you push back for us? But she said, I could find people who will do those jobs for free. Uh, so I left the next week. Uh, <laughs> she left, I ended up coming back to the show under the new management, but it didn't affect my career at all that I left. I'm glad I left because was, I don't want to work for anybody who's not going to have my back.
5: Um, I can talk a little bit about transitioning from writers to, or from uh, support staff to actual staff. Um, And my path was, I was the script coordinator on the show for three years. Um, The way DreamWorks works, they literally bought a block of 52 episodes and we wrote them all at once. So we had a writer's room of six people total, including the showrunner and myself. When I got hired, she told me, I need you to be an extra writer. I do not have the time or the ability for you to just be typing, so I need you to type and pitch and give notes all at the same time. If that means you come in early, come in early. If that means you stay late, you stay late. If that means you don't take a lunch break, you don't take a lunch break. So I didn't. Um, It was not 100% the greatest environment, but I did get to write three scripts and I got staffed after that. And I also took on a ton of extra writing while I was there. Probably not 100% advisable all the time, but I knew that it was really beneficial for me. I wrote all of our premises, I wrote first drafts of outlines, anything I could get my hands on, I wrote. And what that did was it solidified in everyone's minds that I wasn't just a script coordinator, I was a writer in the room that happened to be taking notes. Um, That was very beneficial for me, especially when all of the other writers rolled off, because we. Animation takes a really long time and the show goes on for like a year after the writers are done. I stayed on. I wrote every single change that we had after that. Um, All unpaid. Uh, But I wrote it and everyone knew that I wrote it and everyone was very aware of the fact that I was doing the writing. And when it came back, our showrunner got rolled off the show, they got somebody else, they got a new, I was the only person who stayed. So, I was staffed and immediately was the most senior writer in the room because I was there from last season. So I'm not saying wait it out, I'm not saying take on extra work, I'm saying if you see that opportunity as a positive one where people can recognize it as you putting yourself out there, as you being part of the room, as you
3: being more than just
5: a support staff, do it.
3: I I think there's a really hard line to go um, she, I agree with everything that Lauren is saying, but I think that there's a very, very um, fine line in that because I feel like you want to be maximizing your opportunities, but you also don't want to be negating any of the job that you're, that you're hired to do. Yes. Um, and like, I've been in rooms where I was there were two writer's assistants, and one of them would spend most of his time pitching, and they didn't like him. Like, it's, it's great when you have the opportunities, and it's great to establish those boundaries with your showrunners. Like, I like to do that when I interview for a job, I like to ask what kind of participation they want for me in the room because that establishes really clear boundaries. And if a showrunner at this point in my career says to me, I don't want you to open your mouth in the room, I'm not going to take that job. Um, But if I was on my first or second job and I didn't know exactly the dynamics of the room and how that worked, I probably would take that opportunity to learn and really uh, understand how the room works before I start throwing myself into it and possibly um, taking opportunities that that could have come up in the future away from myself.
1: That is good.
0: Um, And I want to... This again is not a question I have written down,
3: but it's just
5: coming naturally. Uh,
0: On the topic of unpaid work versus paid work, when it comes to writing, and also keep this at your brain, what people say in job interviews that makes you immediately say no, like in your head, not to them. Um, For me, anytime I see a job posting that says must have thick skin, um, (laughs) I do not apply to that job. (laughs) I recently got into a temp situation where apparently every time they post that job full-time, they say must have thick skin, but because this was like a four-day experience, they didn't say that, so I took the job, and it was a nightmare. Um, So anytime, must have thick skin, I'm not gonna tell you what to do. If you need a job and you feel like you can hang in, take a job, get the money, I can't do it anymore. (laughs) Um, I can't handle people being outright dicks to me anymore. Actually, you know what, I'm not gonna say I can't handle it. I won't take it. <laughs> I can handle it, I just can not do it anymore. Um, people cannot touch me anymore. Seems obvious, but it is not in this business. Um, to have any type of physical contact with an advanced in the career male, no thank you. I don't care if it is a hug or a pat on the back. I have established a no touching rule because they don't know the difference between okay and not okay. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Anything else? Yeah, I would not take a job when they say in the interview, you have to make sure you were able to teach the writer's assistants how to do the job. <laughs> that true story happened to me. And then I found out two, two of the writer's assistants were family friends, and one of them was this sister to the showrunner who did no final draft.
0: Box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're I, not being paid to teach anyone to do their job. Uh,
5: I immediately don't take a job in an interview when they talk about the massive amount of turnover they've had with <laughs> assistants. Um, I took a, I did take this job because it was my first assistant job, but in the interview, all the exec talked about was how much they hated their old assistant. Not a good sign. Not a good sign. Uh, and they had had five people in... Three months. So, if there's been a ton of turnover, there's a reason.
1: I
7: would Like, just as a general like uh, thing to keep in mind, like nothing's ever going to be your last shot. So, don't feel like you need to take. Uh, you know, obviously these are coveted jobs, but if you do get the sense that the people you're working for are going to be abusive assholes. Never look at that like oh this opportunity might not come along again like that's never the case if, you know they renew and cancel and pick up a million shows every year there's always going to be another chance uh, as long as you want it bad enough to kind of hang in there and retail um, is
0: always hiring
7: yeah, you
1: know. <laughs> year
0: round baby and during
7: the
0: holidays doubly w- <laughs> <laughs> so
7: just like uh, just to speak to like the horror stories everyone has of like other people that they've worked with who just kind of feel like they can kick back because they're uh, you know, they're buzzed with the showrunner and they've been promised a script and they've been promised a staff job. Uh, no one's safe ever, okay? You are never safe. And that if, is if meant to sound a little scary, but also it'll keep you from becoming one of those people who's like, oh, I'm best buzzed with the showrunner. That means I can kind of slack off. What if the showrunner gets fired? What if the show gets canceled next week? Then you got a, a showrunner who's not working and a room full of other people who think you're an asshole. <laughs> Just, like, as everyone has illustrated up here, the best thing to do is air on the side of having a great attitude and being. Best possible person your job yeah.
2: can be. Um, as a woman of color, as a queer woman of color, I look really thinly at demographics. Um, if you know people usually people will like tell you before you're going in, like people straight up know to tell me, like, you're gonna be working for a white man because they know <laughs> it's gonna be a rough ride.
1: <laughs> and
2: so that for me is really important um, when you are a person of color in this industry, when you are a woman of color in this industry, shit is just harder. Um, that's the world we live in. It's the industry that we're living in. I'm not going to sugarcoat that for anybody's feelings. Um, and it was something I didn't understand. I thought, you know, I had, I thought by this point I was like, oh, the industry is changing. Da-da-da. The industry is not changing. <laughs> um, and so for me, like, I have to work in a a room environment that is predominantly women. Um, There has to be women of color in that room. Like, if that is not the case, I'm not taking a job. Um, And it's not to say that women of color are always going to be your allies, that people of color are always going to be your allies, because that's not the case. It's just that when racist shit happens, you don't have to be the person to say, oh, that was racist. (laughs) Um, And so, like, that is helpful. Um, So, that is just one thing, like, Again, knowing your worth, like, yes, it's a fine line because everyone wants these jobs and, like, all of these people on this panel, all of you are working so fucking hard and you deserve, um, to be rewarded for that hard work, but you also don't deserve to be abused or treated like shit, especially, like, in an institutionalized way. Like, some people are dicks, some people are assholes, some people are actually bigots, some people are abusers, and, like, that is, that for me, I'm really vocal about now, um, because... The past two years have proven, like, when people are not vocal and when people don't stand up against it, like that's where we are now. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not playing that. No. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah. So, you say this? Bear with me. Um, I actually found a job because they said I was their mercy hire.
1: <laughs>
6: and so I work, I work on comedy. Um, and it's gonna be all white men. And whatever I've, I've done that before, I thought I could do it again. But the way that he said it was like, like he was just like he hired all like all of our friends, all the family friends, all the alumni from Harvard, and now we have room for a diversity hire. <laughs> and like I'm just looking at this white man, and we're just like having a conversation, and he just busts out with that, and I was like, I can't take this job now. Like I don't, I don't want to work in your room. I don't work in your show. I hope you get a second season, but I can't work for you. And um. I left and he sent me flowers, but anyway,
2: I just want
6: to say that,
9: yeah, that was one of my reasons why I didn't take a job. My number one reason for not taking a job that I think is the biggest red flag ever is when they say, you're going to be uh, this job slash this job. Uh, like, they'll be like, you're going to be a writer assistant slash script coordinator. Well, those are two different jobs. They get two different guild rates. Uh, odds are you're getting a lower one if you're doing yeah. both uh, when I was showrunner assistant I was doing writer assistant script coordinator work I was being paid showrunner assistant pay which is usually minimum wage anytime the, my first job I took was writer's PA slash assistant to the non-writing EP uh, those are two different jobs you're getting lunch for 14 people and then there's another person who's like why aren't you working for me anything like that I'm like no absolutely not never
1: again I
3: have I think you develop, like, a pretty strong bullshit instinct, too. Like, Mm I've, again, this is my 10th room that I'm in, and I was unemployed also for quite a long time before I got this between... And we were
0: unemployed at the same time? Yeah. (laughs) Um,
3: But I went on some interviews where I'm um, getting married this year, and I could tell people were being really weird about that, and it's super bullshit double standard. Like, my fiancé was also... um, interviewing for jobs at the same time, and nobody was like, oh no, you won't be good at your job because you're planning a fucking wedding. Like, (laughs) that's bullshit. And so if you start to get those vibes across the board for anything, like I saw a woman that was like, eyeing my ring weird, and I was like, I get weird feelings from this. I don't think this is going to be a bad situation. I can already tell. You don't have to just take the job. Like, uh, someone over there, one of the gentlemen said you don't have to take the job because it's going to be your last shot. Like, that's, I think, the best advice that you can possibly get is like, Whatever opportunities you're having, you don't need to feel like you have to take it because it's going to be the last one. Like, there's always other jobs in the industry, there's always other jobs in retail that you can be taking to fill out the time to make sure that you're doing the best uh, decisions for yourself.
5: Okay, can you touch on the married thing too? I just got married this year, and I went on my first uh, staffing season this past year, right before I got married. Um, I had several people tell me, don't wear your engagement ring because they will assume that you will get married and immediately quit. And I was like, and have babies. And I was like, well, first of all, I'm very excited that I get to have a stay-at-home husband at some point. So, no. (laughs) But uh, secondly, go fuck yourself. Like, just because I'm married does not mean that I'm going to quit my job or not care anymore. There are people who absolutely still assume that. If you are a a woman that you are going to get married, have babies, quit your job, Um, I'm very grateful that I have worked, I currently work in a room that is exclusively women. Um, Yeah, it's a dream, it's wonderful. Uh, But we had a lengthy conversation about how there are several women that our showrunner, our current showrunner has two kids, she timed her pregnancies so that she would give birth on hiatus. Um, she also, we know, she knows a writer who lied, wore like wraps on her stomach so that she could get a job, and then was like, Psych, I'm pregnant. Also, I'm gonna keep writing. Also, while I'm at home, I'm gonna keep writing, and then I'm gonna come back and keep writing, and was able to do it. But she basically had to like muscle her way in and have children and write while like postpartum, like all of that has to happen and it's a very real situation if you want to have children that for women you're going to be immediately seen as you no longer want to have a career. So you have to just blow your way through all of
2: that and just don't, I just don't participate in it. <laughs> Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is like present day shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: oh, yeah. This is like current this time right now. Um, so yeah, someone said it before, like, I think it was, I don't even remember. The industry is not changing fast enough. Yeah, fuck yeah. It's <laughs> so much, of it's so bad. Um, I... Don't have any of that business going on, relationship. <laughs> uh, but I will say, like wage-wise, which is something I didn't want to get to also. Um, so this current job that I have now is my first full-time job offer where I was offered more than minimum wage. So minimum wage in this industry, and okay, I've been a writer's assistant since 2014. So minimum wage in this industry is mostly 60 hour a week minimum um, so you get 40 hours at your wage and then 20 hours at time and a half and that is just to make it livable um, i don't know why it's like that i think it literally just so like they don't get sued because you can't live off of 400 a week anymore um, and as we all know minimum wage is very far behind at this rate of inflation it should be over 20 dollars by now i've done a lot of research into this because i'm mad all the time um, and it is presently oh, it, 1250, but 1325, I think, if you work at a really big company. And that's only in some parts of LA. Um, for example, I worked for a long time in Burbank. They are an incorpor- unincorporated city. So that means they're not part of LA technically. Like they, they have their own mayor, things like that. But that means they don't have to raise the minimum wage. So when the minimum wage went up in 2017, to, I believe, $12.50, what it is now, I was still making 11 because it was Burbank and they didn't have to do it. And I asked accounting, I was like, hey, minimum wage just went up, they're like, not here, it didn't. <laughs> so, one major thing is nobody cares how much you make, like that's above you, they, have, they don't give any shits. I had to negotiate to make above $12 an hour as an EP's assistant, and the guy that I talked to at the network said, what makes you think you should make over twelve dollars an hour? <laughs> and I went like this.
4: Fuck you! <laughs> and I
0: was like, well, here's the thing. I, both, you know, I I can do business when I need to, but I have never successfully negotiated above my wage, and it hurts my feelings <laughs> to not be able to do that. Um, and this job that I have now is above minimum wage finally, and I'll be making like a livable wage. So. My question is, before the union minimums, because I'm also not in the union, I think, on this job, um, and I'm doing writer's assisting slash strip coordinating, which is one of those fun slash jobs, but um, have you ever successfully negotiated your rate, and have you ever been offered more than minimum wage as your hourly raise? Yeah, can we go down the line, starting on the right here?
2: Um, actually, the assistant on the prep Blech. The assistant on some show that I worked on.
1: She actually
2: negotiated for me after asking me could she um, negotiate for me? And she negotiated $150 more for me. Um, and actually, the last time I negotiated the price they should have given me, I didn't know. I was like, hey, can I have $20 more? They're like, uh, we gotta get back to you. <coughs> And they hit me two days later, like, they were like, oh, yeah, actually, because minimum wage went up, and you asked, oh, we're going to give you this much. Uh, so, also check how much minimum yeah. wage is right now. Yeah. Um, and I'll talk Danielle said. Um, so, I am a union writer's assistant. Um, my health care is right about to come through. I'm so excited. Um, that is that has been a process um, and so my first job I got the Union minimum which is 1415 for writers assistance um, so the and so a thing to know about the union minimum is that it's 1415 but you are not guaranteed 60 hours a week that's so not part of the contract and so when I was at FX they did offer me 1415 60 hours minimum and then when I went to Netflix they they um, were like, mm, 14, 15, and you'll like, I guess you can work 50 hours, and I was like, mm, I'll pay. Um, and so I asked for more, I wanted $15, so I asked for more than 15, um, cause we've all seen the fucking headlines where they are paying Shauna Rhymes and Ryan Murphy bajillions of dollars, so I was like, 85 cents, they can do that easy, and they literally said, we can't offer you that, and I was like, mm, what? The- And so I am dogged, and I know I have bills to pay, and so I reached out to the union, um, and they have sent out this, like, payroll thing and I looked at all the writer's assistants and all those writer's assistants had 60 hour minimums and so I went back and I was like Hey, I actually do have data that says you guys do have 60 hour minimums and da 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 um, And that there are assist- or writers' assistants making 14, 15 and they were still like we're gonna have to Like we're gonna have to talk about it and then I was lucky enough that my showrunner is really helpful and I told her and worked with her and so they finally did offer me $15 an hour. They didn't budge on the 60 hours a week. Um, No, I'm not kidding you. But, what I told my showrunner, and usually as a writer's assistant, because just because the room ends, like your day doesn't end at 6, you have to clean up notes, and take pictures of boards, and organize, and and help the PA, if there's like all, anything. And you're on on
9: call 24-7. Yeah, and
2: so like, your day is not going to end at that time, and so I was straight up, I was like, I need to work 12 hours a day, and I will work 12 hours a day, so I can put this on my time sheet, and she was like, yeah, sure. Um, and so that's how I got it to be been able to negotiate that, but it was shocking to me because it was literally 85 cents, and I'm like, I know Netflix has that money. I want this on the recording. I know Netflix. Has <laughs> that
0: was me too. TBS has more than 12 dollars an hour. I know every it.
2: Company has every company, every
0: network ha- can yeah. pay you more than 12 dollars an hour.
2: And so it's just, and I think part of it is having that backup and, and having that data, and so like I, I was looking at the union thing. I was looking at the the broad like industry assistant thing that went out because I was ready. Um, and then I just, I literally just didn't like. They kept me like, no, and I was like, well, what about this? And what about this? And like, one of us was going to give up, and I'm the one who needs a job. So like, <laughs> and so it was, it was hard. And I'm happy I fought. And you know, I. It's interesting because people were like, yeah, I've been successful, and so it, I don't know if it's a gender thing, I don't know if it's like, there is something going on where like these these studios are like, no, and I'm like, mm, but yeah. <laughs> um, so fight, try, fight, don't ever not do it, just know it's gonna be a fucking battle. i Rachel, real quick, also.
0: Um, gender-wise, I've heard from a lot of people and sometimes friends and things that Men and boys naturally negotiate, and of course, women we are taught not to do that because politeness politeness is really important. Um, but you can negotiate and still be polite, technically. Um, but if you're thinking like, oh, I shouldn't negotiate, there's ten people behind me who are qualified and can take this job, that's true. But you should still negotiate yeah. so, uh, or try
3: to. <laughs> so uh, prior to unionization, I was actually very successful in negotiating for myself. Um, I had been working in rooms for years and I had a lot of, like my resume was stacked where I was like going into my like 8th, ninth, 10th rooms and I was like, this is ridiculous if you're trying to fucking pay me minimum wage, like that's bullshit. Um, and I was lucky that I was at a company that had paid me. Higher than the minimum wage rates and so I was able to use that as a negotiating tool like legally companies aren't allowed to ask you what your previous rates have been that's a new law within the last like year yeah, or two I think um, but you can tell them yeah. like if you've made more and you said hey I have evidence that I've made more for two years that's something that you can do and that's basically what I did to um, to negotiate and the show that I was on prior to unionization I ended up getting like a lot more a week, and it was great. And then unionization happened, which was great in a lot of ways, like health insurance, mm-hmm. but it's fucked over a lot of people who had been able to negotiate about those minimum base minimums, because now studios are angry and they are retaliating. Um, and I'm sure Ogle will talk about that later. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, since unionization, I was not able. I was like, this is my 10th room. Um, this is what I had been making. And they were like, no, and only 40 hours a week minimum. And I was like, no, that's insane, uh, that's literally going to be half of what I had been making for the last two and a half years. And they were like, no, we don't care. Um, and then that, um, the, the 871 rate sheet went out, and you can only have access to that if you're actually in the union, it's not in the script coordinator uh, regular thread. Um, but that was, again, really helpful, like what Michelle was saying about, I was able to see, okay, other people at the studio have made this amount, they have been able to get this guarantee, and I went back to the studio and they were like, yeah, "We don't care." Um, and then I went to my showrunners and I went, "I want to take this job, but this isn't livable. Can you help me?" And a lot of times, showrunners don't realize how little we make. Yeah, um, I don't know at all. And I know it's really scary when you've just you've just accepted informally <laughs> informally accepted this job, and you're like, "I I don't really know the showrunner well. Can I ask for anything on my own behalf?" And it can feel like, "Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to like." Uh, inconvenience them, this whole politeness issue that Danielle was mentioning, but at the same time, it's like if they've already asked you to be um, this role, if they've already hired you, they want you. So if you're asking for 85 cents more, if you go to them, it might be in your favor. Like that's how I was able to get a 60 hour minimum even though my studio won't allow that and it's been a whole pushback still three months in. But um, but that was how I was able to do it, was by going to my charter and asking for them to help me or and like even if it's an unofficial thing
4: and that worked. Yeah, definitely advocating that. Talk to your showrunner if you can, because so many times they're shocked by what you're making. Yeah. Um, I have never successfully negotiated about my wage. Um, I've worked a slash job where I was writer's PA, showrunner's assistant, writer's assistant, and script coordinator, and um, served a and made writer's assistant great, But you know, in hindsight, I would definitely go back and fight more. And I would also talk to my friends more. Um, it, I know it's hard to talk about what you make and I know hourly wages can can be low and it can feel weird, but talk to your friends. Like we're all in this industry together and getting advice from other people who are going through the same journey to you is such a tool and something I wish I had leaned on more when I was trying to negotiate my salary at that time. Yeah. So talk about wage. yeah, yeah. We do it all the time, do it constantly. Always talk about your wage. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that might be nice. nice. It's, no, I mean Always. it, I mean okay. it, do <laughs> it.
5: Um, so I have I was not able to successfully negotiate until I had reps. Um, I, when I got script coordinator, I'm also a huge fan of talking about your wage all the time. Use numbers, we talk yeah. about it in our room all the time. Of like, oh, what are you making? Here's what I'm making. Here's what you should be making. Here's the minimums. We talk about numbers. <coughs> um, when I got uh, this offer to be script coordinator, I went to every single script coordinator at DreamWorks. And I said, how much do you make? And every single one told me. And so I went in saying, here's the number that I know that they are all making. And they said, well, do you want this job or not? Here's the number we're willing to give you. And the answer was, yeah, I did want that job. And I didn't know how to fight back against that. So I took it. Um, And it was like $5, $7 an hour less than I knew other script coordinators were making. Um, when I, I was able to use my showrunner to negotiate a raise, um, it wasn't a lot, it was 3%, but she was able to speak on my behalf and I was eternally grateful because she also, again, was like, I have no idea how much you're making, that the number doesn't come by their desk. Uh, once I had reps, um, fun fact, Animation Guild has a really hard time fighting for writers. Um, they make up a very low percentage number of their guild, so it's really hard. They're, it's very hard to get animation writers um, backed by the union because they have no the power within the union. If you're streaming, you do not have to follow union stuff because you are. Uh, day. You don't have to follow union minimums. Um, unless you go full union in certain places, but there there are workarounds depending on your budget. I work on an extremely low budget show. Uh, they did not have to pay me union minimum. But I had reps, thankfully, who were like, this is some bullshit. What do you mean they don't have to pay your union minimum? And it took months to fight for $100 over union minimum. Uh, Thankfully, we were down to the wire. Our new uh, EP had come in and she was like, uh, I need you to start working now. Uh, but we, I refuse to do anything until my deal was signed. That's something that you do have. Do not work until your deal is signed as a writer. Do not work. They will try to fudge it and say, just help us out a little bit, just get started. No, you do not put pen to paper, you do not start typing until your deal is signed, because until then, you hold power. And the more you can hold on to that, and the longer you can hold on to that, the better, because it gets taken away very quickly. But it was forced. They were forced to say yes because we needed a writer right now, and I was the only option. Uh, if we didn't have that time pressure, and if I didn't know that I absolutely was needed, I don't think I would have had as much bargaining power. So, find any, my advice is to basically find any chip that you have and use it as much as you can, because that's the only card you have to play.
6: Um, I, I always don't.
1: get my
6: money. I don't <laughs> <run> need my I <chest> coins. <laughs> that game, I get my money. Um, and because I worked at DreamWorks with you, yep. and I knew how much everybody was making. Yep, we talked about it. All the people. Yep. And no, none of the women would always ask for more money. And I was like, girl, you could make made $20,000 if you just would have asked. Nobody ever did that, so I always took that with me everywhere I went. And I just negotiated more money for a job I just accepted. Um, Which helped me because I was actually offered another job on that Thursday that paid me a shit Ton of yeah. money, so much money, and I said no to that job because it didn't make sense to my career long term. But I used that in negotiating the rate that I wanted. Cause they offered me like $500, to give you guys, like $500 a week. What? Uh, I, right? <coughs> I mean, I can live off of that. And I said I was like, you make more money on unemployment. You did. Like, I can't live off of <laughs> this. And they agreed with me. I'm like, oh my god, I didn't know that. Uh. So, I, yeah, I negotiated, I asked for my money. I knew what my rate was. I knew what I was gonna make an hour. Like, I told them it has to be this. It has to be that. Period, and then
7: they agree. So I have um, to I am in awe of y'all for even <laughs> trying to negotiate. I've, ne- I've never had the spine because I'm always just so worried that like if I breathe in the wrong direction, like the job's going to be yanked out from under me. So I've, ne- I've never
1: even attempted to, but I I will say,
7: uh, now that uh, IOTC has absorbed and unionized uh, writer's assistants and script coordinators, uh, I have a lot of problems with the deal that they struck, which I won't get into, but the cool thing is that, uh, yeah, we could go on for hours about that. Uh, But the cool thing is that IOTC is like a gigantic, scary union, and uh, you know most, uh, accountants and line producers, you know, their job is to pinch pennies, but they do not want to run afoul of those folks, and so since the money that they're trying to cut you off at is, on the grand scale of a show, kind of like a rounding error, uh, you can, you know, don't be afraid to use the fact that Ayazi is standing behind you to kind of nudge them in the
8: right direction. First off, everyone above you is negotiating and asking for more money all the time, so don't... And getting it. And getting it, so don't feel like you're not an asshole for asking for more money, because everyone's an asshole asking for more money. And when all of us are assholes, then none of us are assholes. (laughs) Um, That being said, here's a stupid story. Uh, I had never, I've been in the same position as Dan Reckon, had never had to or even felt like I could negotiate for, uh, for more pay. I would, every job I had taken for a long time just said, this is what it pays, yes or no. And then when I got hired at my current job, I got a, call, a phone call from a PR person asking me what my rate was. And I was so flat-footed and unprepared that I just like, gave them a figure that was like $50 more than I was making previously, and then there was this like long beat on the phone and then she offered me, like, way more money. <laughs> like, so I got, like, this weird, like, pity raise because I was too dumb to ask for money. <laughs> um, but, uh... <laughs> so that's how I, uh... tried to lowball myself in
9: <laughs> I always negotiate, and I always get my money as well. Uh, <laughs> I was raised by a single mother who fought for everything and told me to always fight for everything I want. So I, I've never felt bad asking for more money. Um, at my current job, when I came back, the best way to do this is to make yourself indispensable. Um, the when I was a showrunner assistant on a pilot over the summer, it it was kind of a passion project. Um, I made twelve fifty. It wasn't a lot, but it was a very short project. So I was like, you know what, whatever. Um, They asked me to stay on for an extra four weeks without pay, and they said that's the norm. That's what every showrunner assistant on a pilot does, and I literally said, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not going to work for a month without any pay, and I told my boss, and she called her agent at WME and said, you need to call them right now and negotiate for my assistant. So, getting your boss's reps involved helps. I got my money. They miraculous, miraculously, Viacom was able to find uh, $2,000 in their, in their purse. The, <laughs> to their they happened they, they to find it. And the funny thing about this is that, as a showrunner, you, you see the budgets for the show, and you see what you're budgeted for, and you're like, well, why aren't I making that? And then they're like, oh. And on my current show, I went from my previous, the show I was on before, Charmed, where I was actually a temp, I got a 65-hour guarantee at writer's minimum, which came out to a little over 1000 a week before taxes. And when I came back to my show, that is in its third season, Fox tried to offer me 40 hours at guilt minimum, which was under like $500 a week. And I literally, my boss, her dad was in the Cuban Mafia, and when she hears about shit like this, she calls them and she's like, Do you know who I am? (laughs) Uh, Like, I I just don't fuck around. I don't work with anyone who's not gonna cover my ass. Um, I straight up told them, like, I'm not gonna take a job. I know I'm indispensable to you because I'm the only one in here who knows who to call when the phone doesn't work. So they're like, no, we'll fight for you. Please don't leave. Um, The studios will try to dick you over every step of the way. My bosses went on a location scout for a week, and the studio laid me off, so I got another job. And then the studio called me every day, asking me to come in and do things to set up the room, and I said, I don't work for you. They were so mad because they just expect you to work for free. Don't do that. That's
1: dumb.
5: (laughs) Beware of we're all family here. Yes. They you know, will absolutely use that to get you to stay longer, work harder, do more, for less money. And, or no money. Or no money. And and studios, companies, love to talk about company culture as a reason why they should be able to pay you less. Uh, the reality is they don't give two shits about you individually um, unless you are literally winning them awards. They do not care. So don't buy into it. You can enjoy the culture of a company and you can enjoy working there without buying into the idea that you now owe them something. You owe them nothing. So if you don't feel like you're being treated right or if you feel like they're now trying to take advantage of you by using, we're all you know, part of one team, don't, just don't, don't even let them start with that.
9: I also wanna add that they will gaslight you. Uh, When I was negotiating for my pay with the studio, I literally said $500. That would be like a 40% pay cut from last season when I was two tiers lower than I am now. Are you serious? And then they usually call me. They're like, we thought it was better to do this over the phone. Um, But what they literally said to me is they said, these minimum wage increases are killing us as a company. I was like, oh really, Fox Corporation that just got like $20 trillion in tax cuts is dying because some PA wants an extra $50 a week?
4: Like, it's, it's insane. They'll try to tell you anything to come
9: and see that you don't deserve money and you do, so.
4: Also, just wanna throw in there, be vigilant about your paychecks. I just had a situation where I found out I didn't get paid for a week that I worked and I also didn't get reimbursed, like $300 that I had to charge to my own credit card and then the production company Closed down, and all I had was the studio, and I still haven't gotten paid, and I'm hoping it's going to happen next week. But if I hadn't noticed this, and obviously it's a lot of money, like you could, you'll notice. But like if I hadn't been paying attention, it would have just gone by, and nobody would have cared, and I would have been the only one suffering. So be your biggest advocate always when it comes to your money, every yeah. cent of it.
0: I always to say too, um, I mean, back when I was at Conan and had interns who were again like basically PAs, um, if they had to ever do a run and errand, anything. I always told them, don't bring your card. Um, because if the show is not giving you a card, then they don't need it that badly. <laughs> <laughs> because they will give you the money to pay for the thing. Don't ever, I mean, unless it's like, again, like your your show was like, it's you were the only on assistant. It's, it's tricky. Yeah. If you can, get away with it. Never put anything on your own cards, ever, because reimbursement takes forever. Like, I bought my boss once one of these water bottles, which is a hydro flask. They're great, but they're also, like, $40 if you get the big ones, which of course he wanted the big one. And I had to pay for it because this was before he, like, trusted me with his Amazon login and all of that shit. So I paid for it, and I, at the time, it was very early in the season. I had, like, $100 in my checking account, okay? So now I have $60 in my checking account, and it took like seven weeks to get reimbursed for $40. So if you like, if they say like, oh, we're gonna send you on a lunch run, but we don't have a P card. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't, it's not, It's if it's your credit card, anything, don't do it because they have the money. They're just lazy. (laughs) And then you'll end up spending $300 and you won't get reimbursed
9: for two months. I made a huge mistake with this when I was a writer's PA because they sent the P card. The P card is the Amex you get um, to buy stuff for the show, if there's anybody who doesn't know what that is. I don't know why we call it that. Sometimes they give you cash, but it's um, a purchase, purchase card. Oh, purchase card. Purchase card. <laughs> um, my P card, they accidentally disabled the restaurants category, and they just wouldn't call to change it. Uh, and it was just for weeks. For weeks, every time I we went to go pick up lunch, it just wasn't working. And this was after I'd already gotten it late, so I had been using my credit card for everything. And I was like, whatever, I'll just get reimbursed. It came up to like $5,000 before they sent me that check. I was like, guys, I have a credit card bill due. Like, are you gonna... I've been buying lunch for the writers every day for two months, are you guys gonna do anything about
0: that? Like, And just never forget the show has money. They're trying to tell you they don't have money, but they—they're fine because in any scenario, again, you know they have money. But like, as I've been a showrunner's assistant and I've seen like the paperwork that I had to file for my showrunner to get his uh, credit for directing and writing an episode in one week, which I'm not saying the name or the show, so I think this is fine. Um, but in one week for directing and writing an episode, sixty thousand yeah. dollars. And that week, I made eight. 50 before taxes because that was the same show that asked me why I should get more than $12 an hour. Mm-hmm. So they have the money. And again, when you're negotiating, just make sure you're saying 60-hour minimum because they'll say, like, oh, we'll give you 16 an hour. And you're like, tight. And yeah. they're like, you're going to only work 30 hours, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so.
2: Also, no one at the studio is, like, working for free. Like, they all have salaries. They all have benefits. Like, that's something I'm always, like, the people at the other end telling you that they can't pay you are getting their money. Mm-hmm. So, like, yes. that's just something to keep in mind. Also, there's a tactful way if you get
3: into these situations where if you let the writers know, they won't let like, you put that on your personal card. Yeah. Like, yes. if, if, if there's a way, like, your showrunner, it's a weird, it's, again, all, all this stuff is, like, being tactful and having a fine life, yes. but, like, they 100%, like, I'm sure any of the, like, EP, co-EP levels, like, that's a better way than go. don't go into credit card debt over it, it's insane. I just so like coffee runs everything. They oh. all have credit cards that they will yeah. buy the coffee, it's fine.
7: I was just gonna say that, like, mm-hmm. if you're like any good writer's room, like it is like an us versus them culture. Yep. So like, there no one's ever yeah. gonna blame you for not having the functioning P card yes. by lunch. It's like fuck accounting. Tell them to get on yeah. No one's like you should be putting this money on your card. It's yeah. your fault. Like, don't ever feel like yeah. you have to be such a go-getter that it's like, yeah, I'll take a two hundred dollar hit. Like, just don't ever do that. Yeah. Any reasonable writer will tell you not to do that.
0: Um, I think we've covered this pretty well, this topic. (laughs) Um, I wanted to, uh, because I'm keeping track of time here, Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about um, like assistant culture as well. Um, I personally, my life motto is there's room for all of us. I don't think we need to be cutthroat. There are so many shows, there are so many assistants. I know in recent years, a lot of networks have been cutting The typical three or four room assistants down to sometimes one. So it does feel like, oh, there's only one spot and it has to be me. But that's just not true. I have worked on a show before where there were two writer's assistants and I was one of them. And the other writer, we just like weren't friends, but we weren't like frenemies even. Like we were like fine, but I wasn't like inviting her to hang out sleep at work sleepover or you know. Um, but I found out after I left that job that she had been making like 300 more a week than I was for no reason. She had only had the job a couple months more than I did. And this was never a topic of like, how much do you make, like maybe we should talk. But like, since then I have made it a point to talk to the people that are on support staff with me and ask these questions of like, how much are you making, could we get more together do we need to help each other? Like, I think we just need to make it more of a system of support. Staff is a little team within the greater team of the writers' room, but also, again, a lot of this is going to be about money because we don't make it. Like, that's just across the board. So, like, negotiating pay and like, even even like on other jobs I've had, where like the showrunner was kind of shitty to me. It's like I leaned on support staff to be like, has this person ever done anything to you? Do you think I should bring this to the attention of anyone? Like, should we stick it out? Is this gonna be okay in a safe environment? Like, those kind of conversations that are really important when you are, you know, the help of the room. And the people above you, again, like, not even just don't know to look out for you, but also they just straight up don't know. Like, again, they don't know how much you're making. They don't know what you do on the day-to-day. They often don't know that you're working when you're home or working on the weekends. Like, they just don't know. Um, So that's my main question, I guess. Is how do you feel like we can contribute more to making support staff like more of a team effort? And I want to hear your answers, but I'm also going to go to the bathroom now. <laughs>
9: <laughs> <laughs> so, I feel like I can comment on this because in my room I'm kind of like the head assistant because i the there since the beginning but for me it's also just like letting the other assistants do fun stuff and not just terrible stuff like our poor PA has to get lunch and coffee for everyone every day like I'll be like hey man do you want to cover in the room so I can like stick around and just walk around the office and do nothing for a while just so you get the experience like I think a lot of people can be gatekeepers about that kind of thing a lot of assistants, like writers' assistants, don't want like the PA to cover. I, I don't know. Usually it's like I also try to teach them if their notes aren't good. I'm like, hey, you should change this. Like you don't put one. For example, one of the writers who's coming for me or the assistants who's coming for me um, would put who said what for each note, and I said you don't put that. Like no one cares. Um, you're wasting time trying to take that out. So even just like teaching people how to do your job helps so that they know that there's like a road ahead that they're not going to be a
2: PA hours.
9: I also, um, uh, this happened to me recently in that like, I was not getting CC'd on emails when the writers would email um, all the support staff their scripts to get notes on. And I would come to the office and everyone's like, we read this script, did you read it? I was like, what? And it was a total accident, but like I took the other support staff aside and said, "You should be checking the CC to make sure we're all on it." Like I would never, if I got something, I would make sure you guys all knew. I would never purposely leave someone off to make the book bad, or it wasn't. That wasn't the case. This was just an accident. But just looking out for other people too, and I don't know. It might depend on the room because in our room we have like a hierarchy too, where nobody's like, "Who's going to get the script?" <laughs> like. Um, but yeah, just looking out for each other and not being assholes.
5: I, I do wanna say um, it's really nice when you are able to have that sort of relationship with the other support staff, um, but always keep in mind that there might not be somebody who feels that way. And there might be somebody who's willing to be cutthroat, who's willing to go behind your back, who's willing to do whatever it takes. And uh, they haven't earned your trust and you shouldn't just give it to them. So feel it out, it's a, it's a fine line. It's a fine line of like, I really su- want to support you and I want to bring you up, but if you're gonna, you know, if, if, I'll give you a really good example. Um, myself and one of the uh, lower level writers on a, a show I worked on were friends and I didn't find out until later that he was willing to throw me under the bus at any point in time Uh, that I wasn't in the room. Uh, Oh, the reason that didn't happen is because Lauren didn't get it. Oh, the reason that that happened is because Lauren wasn't paying attention. Um, Whether or not that was 100% of the time the case, I'm sure there was once or twice I missed something. But I'm sure it didn't happen as often as it was being said it happened. That is a very toxic situation. There are still lots of assistants out there who feel like this is a cutthroat thing. Please, 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 don't don't be naive. I'm I'm not saying don't trust people. I'm just saying read it, pay attention to it. Do not put your trust in somebody just because they are in the same position as you because a lot of people are
2: still willing to be cutthroat. Uh, Went through that similar situation. Um, It's been half good, it's been half bad, um, where the other assistants that I worked with, we all came together, we all supported each other. And if we, like... Especially when they're like, oh, the room is gonna start early. Some people don't get that. And I know some of the going would be like, hey, did you get that email? We're actually gonna start at 12 and at nine. And that makes a difference in your sleep pattern. Um, and I also have bad situations where I I sat in for a writer's assistant to do notes for her because she got an episode and she just treated me like shit. She told me my, my, uh, my notes were bad. She just kept on telling me everything that I did wrong. And actually a writer, that was in that same room actually hit me up. I still keep in touch with one of the writers in the room, called me up and they were like, yeah, she's in a mini room right now and she said how much she she really likes you. She does not not like you. And her, the, the writer and the showrunner kept on saying like, nah, you didn't like her. You definitely were trying to throw her under butts. Mm-hmm. Um, because writers all the time, they're they looking at you to see how you act around the people mm-hmm. who are assistants like you. And again, don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. Like, again, when you get to a writer's level, you don't want to be around dicks. You want to be around people that are awesome and nice like you, hopefully, and are treated well. And you have to make sure you, you know that distinction and know that we're, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to come up as writers. So treat each other
6: kind. <laughs> I was just going to say that I worked on two shows. So V was very supportive. I had the best bosses. Um, I got to do everything on the show. And then I worked on, I'm going to say I worked on Blackish, And it was war, like it was, me and the other assistants, like, one was senior and he didn't want to be a PA anymore, he wanted to the writer's side, I was an office PA. And he was just horrible, and like, I, I worked at CA, if like, you want to become, you want to be competitive, like, let's go, and, <laughs> and, so he was, and he would like, call me names, and like, jump back like he was going to fight me, all the things. And he did it in front of Anthony Anderson. <laughs> and I
1: I didn't, I didn't say anything,
6: I didn't do anything, I didn't report it. He saw it and then he walked over to the office and was like, he can't talk to her like this, da that, and like he stood up for me. But sometimes you have to go to war and like you have to be at a place and you're like with yourself where you're able to keep your conscience and still like hold yourself accountable for your job every single day when you're working in an environment with people who don't like you just because you're working with them. That's it.
7: Don't perpetuate hazing culture, yeah. uh, which is just rampant. Like you'll see people who were the writer's PA yesterday, and now they're the showrunner and the showrunner's assistant, and all of a sudden they're pulling rank. It's like yeah. you know, if you're in a writer's room with two assistants or four assistants, and you know you got a, a you know whatever the standard model: showrunner's assistant, script data, writer's assistant, uh, writer's PA just be a team, you know, and just help each other out and know that, like, everyone's fighting their own battle. And uh, even if, you know, Olga, you mentioned, uh, you know, something to the effect of if you're, you know, people are fighting for who's going to get the script or, uh, you know, and you can't even be mad at another assistant uh, or, or feel competitive if they're the one who gets the, the you know, the co-freelance that season. Because, you know, if it was you, you wouldn't be apologizing for it. Like, just be happy for, you know, it's... Yeah. it's Easier said than done, I know, uh, everyone knows this, but like to not get bitter or, uh, you know, put blame on the doorstep of somebody who moves up a little bit faster than you, uh, you know, everyone's kind of fighting the same struggle. Or
0: get bitter and just keep it inside. <laughs>
1: right, right, right. Just push it
0: down. You don't have to be, don't be outwardly shitty. Well, also, everyone should be in therapy. Duh. But, like, that's where my bitter time goes. I have a place for it. Um, but on the outside, be happy for people. You, know, you just got their first co-freelance. That's awesome. Like, you'll get one eventually. It's
9: fine. I just want to say that the reason I advocate, like, being so nice is because my first time as a writer's team, we had a script coordinator who had been a script for, like, 10 years and considered himself, like, high-ranked a writer now. And we were like, well, okay. Um, uh, and the reason he's been a script for 10 years, because he's an asshole and nobody wants to hire him. Um, so he, there was one day we were all standing around and he, he was holding a mug of coffee. He just throws it on the ground, splashes it everywhere. And we were all like, what? And he goes, Olga, oh, clean that up. Oh, hell no! I know. I literally looked at him and was like, you're fucking kidding me. One of our co-EPs bent down and cleaned it up. He was not ass back. <laughs> so, like, people will do shit like that. I've worked with, I, very few people, but I've worked with people like that who are just assholes. And, like, you don't want to say anything to your boss because you don't want to, like, make a problem for them, but at some point, like, Uh, for me, I I don't know if this is the right thing to do, but for me, I waited until the season was over, and I told my boss, he's the worst guy I've ever worked with, please don't hire him again. Like, please hire somebody else next season. And she listened, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I, yeah, that's fucking nuts. Um, again, a lot of these things are shocking me, and I've had a lot of them happen to me.
1: <laughs> but
0: hearing it from someone else, you're like, "Oh, damn! It wasn't just me." And also, like, "Damn, that sucks." Um, but I like where we're going. This is good. Um, I would like to move forward to defining what these jobs are, because um, a lot of times they are slashes. Um, I know right now. I am a slash, and I didn't know I was a slash until I got the job. Um, Until I started the job, I should say. (laughs) I thought there was a script card, and turns out it's me. Um, But I will say, I I mean, we've all worked, I think, in a multitude of genres. Or at least in like half hour versus hour type of thing. Um, So I started in late night as writer's assistant, and have now done half-hour and a couple punch-ups and now I'm in half-hour animation, which is like a whole different thing. Um, But I do want to talk a little bit about just like basics of writer's assisting versus script cord. So I'm going to start with writer's assisting and someone else can jump in with script cord whenever because this is my first uh, combo job. But writer's assisting, for me so far, has been taking notes in the room and after some time has been established, sometimes pitching in the room. Um, that's just like, you gotta feel it out. Um, and even if someone has said, like, they don't like when people pitch, or like, definitely never pitch, I'm like, nah, <laughs> I'm gonna pitch. Um, <laughs> Cause like, you, you have to try at least, you know? And like, a showrunner will say, like, stop if they don't want it. They're not going to just let you talk forever. Like, they'll pull you aside and either say, like, you can keep pitching or, like, please never talk again. So try. Who cares? Um, but again, like, a lot of room notes. So typing fast is important, but also reading the room to know when um, something is a bit and when something is a joke is important in comedy rooms because the writers will be doing bits all day forever. Um So, I know that you know. Uh, So, sometimes, like, let's say we're doing bits about um, a rug, okay? They will do bits about a rug and then suddenly be like pitching a full sentence about that rug. And you have to know that that's the thing you're writing down instead of them making fun of each other for four hours. (laughs) Um, And these are things that you learn in the room, but if you can spend time with comedians and, like, even if you're just like with your friends writing or in a writing group or something, Knowing like, the look in someone's eye when they are making fun of something and when they're turning it into a joke is a very large part of the comedy game. Um, and it's hard to explain, but you can see it on someone's face when they're like, oh yeah, I was talking about this rug. Okay, what if, and then it switches immediately and then you have to be back in it and typing. So I made it a rule that I basically don't let my hands leave the keyboard just in case. Um, I don't like to have people repeat themselves to me. Like, I don't I don't like them to need to repeat themselves. If it's something like, you don't know the word they just said, or they are talking about a character from a show from the 60s, and you were not alive yet and you've never seen it, you can say, like, how do you spell that word? You know, how do you like to have that phrase? But otherwise, like, I don't like to have people repeat themselves to me. Um, I don't know if you guys have experienced that. In comedy, it moves really fast. I've only been in one drama room when I was the PA, so I wasn't like hard watching The Writer's Assistant because it was a very short-term gig. But yeah, I've I've never, um, I've been in comedy like this whole time and it's very, very fast-paced and if you don't know what they're saying in the moment, you can ask, but otherwise like don't make, don't be the person that's like constantly like, what,
3: I wasn't paying attention. Sorry, like, but also I know a lot of times, sometimes people will like record the room if they are worried about not being able to catch things. I found that that's like way more work than you need to do if you're just an attentive listener. Um, but that is a way that sometimes people can handle that.
5: We did something in our room that we like to call the script show, which was I had my script up on the board, on a TV 100% of the time, including when I was taking notes. So I wrote down everything every single thing, and it had to be word for word exactly what they said in the room, I could not gear off of it. So my job was to type as much as I could possibly get, remember the thing that they said that I hadn't gotten to typing yet, and pay attention to the thing that they were saying right now that I was gonna have to write as well. Um, The key for me was to type all of it, who cares if there are spelling errors? You can go back and fix that. What you can't fix is not hearing that joke they just did that they really, really loved, and and you didn't get it. So if, if your room is open to you typing however you want, great. Big old paragraphs with like all kinds of stuff, and you can figure out how it needs to be organized for them later. Um, for us, we had the script up all the time, so uh, we are moving at a pace where, like, we didn't have time to do a lot of brainstorming. We were pretty much putting out uh, a script every two weeks. So, uh, I had it up and was typing as they were talking all the time. Uh, I, I pity all of you if you have to play the, the script show because it's very hard and it's very critical and People are very on you about whether or not you have forgotten the word. So, being able to be a, an attentive listener and an attentive typist is a very good thing to do.
8: My room plays the script show with eight monitors.
1: Oh, okay.
8: Everyone in the room can always see what I'm typing. <laughs> like, but just, just to just pile on what everyone else is saying, like the number one qualification for a writer's assistant job is not necessarily typing hundred words a minute it's this sort of active aware listening, and this ability to know when three people are talking at once. What's the best way to get all those ideas down? Is who can you ignore? Who's the don't ignore people, but you know who's the priority in the room? Priority voice. Where is the room? The room's train of thought. What do those things need to get down? Um, and that's like. Like, you can train to be a better typist, you can sort of train to be a better listener. but that's something that, you know, the, the most frustrating thing doing with you no know, experience is jumping into a writer's room and, you know, 10, 12 people are talking at the same time and you're supposed to take notes and that's your only direction.
0: <laughs> but that's why, too, it's good, like, if you get a writer's PA job and you are brave enough to ask if you can be in the room, like... They would rather have a writer's PA who can step in and cover the writer's assistant if necessary than someone who has never seen the room before and has no idea how the politics of it work. Because, like, I've been in a few rooms now in my current one as well where you're typing mostly just what the showrunner says. Like, people are pitching and you have to keep that in the back of your head, but until the showrunner repeats it, you don't type it. So that's like, someone could say something three minutes ago, and until the showrunner's like, yeah, let's do that, then it's not typed. So I would never have known that if I wasn't luckily shadowing this position, but I've been in other rooms where like, they're like, oh, can you cover today? Like, we need someone to type. And I'm like, I don't know how your room works. Like, what what do I type? Just everything? And then you end up typing everything and you have 15 pages of notes at the end of the day. So yeah, if you're if you're super entry and you're again writer's PA, or if you are able to shadow the position before you are fully doing it take that chance and just ask. Because they would, again, anyone would also rather have you ask than just, like, assume you're not supposed to do it.
3: I mean, and if they're a owner that's had a show before and you get this job, ask if, if they have any notes from their last season. Like, I um, started on a show, and I felt fairly confident in the kind of notes that I presented, I generally do like an outline breakdown that had worked for me on a lot of other shows, and they were like, no, we want like a narrative version, and I was like, what does that mean? I don't know, (laughs) and I asked to see what their notes were, and it was literally, they just wanted every single thing that every single person in the entire room said for the entire day that we were in there, and they wanted it ID'd as to who said what, because that was something that they cared about, and I would end up with 42 pages of notes every single day, and that's not helpful for the writers, but that's what our showrunners wanted, and then figure it out and figure out how to break that down so that when the writer's on episode, you're giving them something that's coherent and not just 42 pages of notes from every single day that you're breaking their episode. Um, but it's a lot of knowing what your showrunners like and what they respond to and what they need because ultimately they're the one that's judging how you're doing in your job.
9: It's so hard to ask. Like when I was on the comedy, the comedy pilot I was on, she wanted word for word, who said what, basically a transcription of the day word-for-word. If I gave that to my bosses right now, they would shit themselves. They would be like, what is this? Um, Like, but it's It's so important to ask because you never know. And the few times I like wouldn't get something She'd be like, you missed this. I'm like, how do you know? Why do you a word-for-word if you remember? (laughs) Um, But the other thing, I think a lot of people Focus on just the note taking as a writer's assistant. I found that it's a really good time to like show initiative. Um, for example, I actually, there are a lot of, there's a lot of writer terminology I didn't know until I was a writer's assistant. Um, like, for example, there's something they'll talk about called a shape, which is like the tentpole pole beats of a story. Just a, like a basic, it's almost like a, a one page document of what's gonna happen, but it's a little big. So I, I noticed that the, a writer's assistant I had covered for on a previous show had done that at the end of the day and always updated it. So I do that now. And, like, when my boss went to draft, she was like, can you send me all the notes you have on my episode? And I just sent her the shape I put together of, like, the order in which everything happened, notes from, like, the, which date and what was discussed and, like, little details they wanted to include, like, I remember they said, we really want to have this character drinking a mint up in this scene. I was like, ah, oh, I'll put that on the shape. Uh, and she was like, how the fuck did you do this? This is incredible. Like, what? <laughs> so if you can if you can show them that you can do stuff like that, too. Um, it, it's like, it, being the system is great because you, you also, you can... A lot of times if we pitch out story ideas, I'll write down the beats on magnet cards and I'll put them up on our whiteboard So that The first, first thing in the morning, they get in and they see what we worked on and like what we have to work on. So it's a lot of stuff like that and just knowing how to organize the material because, like realistically, you're the only one who's going to know everything that's happened. A lot of the writers will miss days because they're off writing their scripts. And they'll come back and they're like, what the fuck is going on? You guys have been meeting for twelve hours a day for a month and I have no idea what we're doing, you know? So if like the 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 goal is like if somebody could walk into the room and you can tell them like exactly what's going on and get them caught up, you've done a good job.
5: Yeah, to piggyback on that, it's it's really good to basically become one with the show. Like you know exactly what if you have the ability to remember things well. That's invaluable because you can remember, no, we pitched that joke in this episode and the execs didn't like it, so I don't know if we can pitch it again. Or we pitched that episode already. Or we tried that out. Here's why people didn't respond to it or here's why that didn't work in the room. Being able to not only remember what's happening on the show and keep track of, like,
1: we already went
5: through that. Just being able to kind of absorb all of that information and keep it inside, you will not only make you a good writer's assistant, it will make you completely invaluable because without you, they will not know what is happening on the show. Um, it's a great place to be. Um, but I I will say in my experience, it's better to, for yourself, overnote than undernote. You can always take things out, you cannot put things in. Um, we always did a night email which had, at the end of the day, I sent an email out to all of the writers that had, here's exactly what we worked on today, here are the notes from today, here's what we're working on tomorrow, here's what's due this week, and it, I sent that out every single night, and it was just a reminder for everyone, and several writers for we yeah, we don't even read it, but if they need to look at, oh, what are we doing tomorrow? Are we working on my episode? Now they have it. Um, that was something that, I showed initiative and came up with, and they were super happy with being able to have an easy reference at all times. Also keep in mind dates, uh, due dates. That's not necessarily your responsibility, but if somebody can go, hey, when's my episode due? And you know, awesome, great. You're the one who knows all that information. You are the keeper of the information. Um, Oh,
0: sorry, yeah. Uh, I just wanna make sure we can get into basics also of like, because that was basically writer's assistant, um, script coordinator. Can someone just like do a real quick rundown of like here's
7: what it is? Yeah, uh, you are uh, you're sort of the keeper of the script. Uh, whereas the writer's assistant will work in a script, like we're talking about the script show where they're making real time changes to the script. Uh, the script coordinator is in charge of. Uh, when, what script gets distributed to who and how, uh, which is, you're basically like the the connection from the room to the studio and the network and all the different departments on the show. Um, You're also in charge of making sure that Guild paperwork gets signed and sent out on time, you're sort of like the administrator, and a funny thing that I'm sure uh, anyone who's worked as a script coordinator on this panel knows is most of the people on the show don't know what you do. Um, and so you're sort of like, uh, you know how they say, like good editing uh, in a film is editing that you don't notice. Like a good script coordinator just basically keeps the wheels greased and makes sure that all the paperwork gets out on time and that there are no distractions relating to a script that didn't make it for the right person on time. Uh, you are the person who has to deal with all that minutiae with a smile on your face.
4: Sometimes you'll also work with your associate producer when they need stuff cleared, like for brands, uh, when they have to reach out to companies and you'll be responsible for sending them pages and also getting alts for like if they want, if the writers want a Coca-Cola in the episode and you don't think you're going to get Coca-Cola cleared so you need to get Pepsi and Sprite and other options that the show owners and the writers have also approved, you're in charge of keeping track of like all of that as well.
9: So Same with character names too. You yeah. have to clear every single thing you use on screen. It's horrible.
5: And <laughs> if you work on a kids show, get ready to clear all of that past consumer products as well.
9: Um,
1: they no. Yeah, that's basically the job. Um,
0: I wanted to leave some time for questions, and also we have like a hard one where I need to start cleaning at one. So about twenty minutes for questions. That seem good. Yeah. All right.
8: Um, who wants to go first? Great. All right, um. Thank you all for doing this, first of all. Um. Going back to the subject of thirstiness. <laughs> um, <laughs> how, like I am literally like just foaming at the mouth to be in a room. But like, how would the people who need to know that know that? Like, what is the best way for that? Tell them. Tell uh, them.
0: Tell them all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: I have. Okay, I was, again, I before I got my first room, I told everyone. I was like, I want to be a writer. I want to be a writer's assistant. How can I do it? Um, and you have to just be, again, so thirsty and so unashamed that you are willing to just tell everyone. Because, again, every moment that I've been unemployed in the past, like, 12-ish months because I've had jobs on and off, I tweet, I Instagram, and I Facebook once every three-ish days. Hi, I'm looking for work. Here are the things I'm good at, here's what I do. You make it shareable in public, and say if anyone has anything, let me know.
9: I wrote about, Danielle is so good at this, that in our Facebook group, anytime there was a, someone's like, oh, I have this job. Like, five people would be like, oh, Danielle's looking at (laughs) No, it's amazing. The other day when we did it, she was like, guys, stop, I have a job now.
2: Um,
0: And
9: that's
0: what you want.
2: You want to be able to be like, I'm good, thank you. Another thing, so, when I was leaving Grace, there was a... And it was through the grad program. But there was one person there who like, Grey's Anatomy is his favorite show. So for an entire year, he met with as many writers in Shondaland as possible, um, and because he knew there was going to come a day where, like, I or someone else is going to be like, "Oh, I'm leaving," and so like his resume, his resume would be slipped through. But the most like what I found is it's not just having your resume; it's having people who will call on your behalf or email on your behalf after, and like you have to let them know before you're going into that job that you're interviewing for this job with this person. This is their previous. Previous credits, did it off and so when you get out of that interview, you, you literally press, hit go, and then they all swarm, and so he had stacked up like 12 different people, and it's the first time in history that 12 different people called for a PA <laughs> at Grey's Anatomy, and he got the job, and they didn't want to hire a man, they refused to hire a man, but they hired him because he had that. Like that is the supreme, like that is the bar of excellence for Thirsty men. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, I mean every,
3: I think people have mentioned this before, but like every writer's assistant is created job that I've got or interviewed for has come from people I know. Um, and it's like, people in this room have put me up for jobs. I've put people up for jobs, um, not just people that are also working in support staff though, but um, having friends that are assistants at like studios and um, management companies and agencies are also good places to find, to like, if you have friends there, again, like the, the non-creepy way of networking. But yeah. um, There's but I, people. yeah, having friends in those positions, those are a lot of times the people that will hear of shows, especially when their sharers don't know how to access support staff. Um, and I think that that's a really good thing, but that, like everybody is looking out for each other and I think that that's kind of the way to do it, but also in a way that feels organic and like, yeah. Not not
5: this creepy. is going to sound revolutionary. Write a good script.
1: <laughs> Write a
5: good original script. Make sure it is solid. Make sure that other people think it's solid. Uh, every genre I've worked for has read scripts from all of their assistants, and uh, if it wasn't good, they did not hire them. So uh, they didn't want to bring someone in who was a maybe. They wanted to bring someone in who was an easy yes. Make yourself an easy yes. I will
7: I will repeat this to my dying breath that every job you do is an interview for the next job. Like I, I omitted this from my my intro, but like the reason I got the first writer's assistant job is because. I took an office PA job, and I told everyone there that I wanted to work in a writer's room. And then the UPM on that show got a job as an exec uh, at Freeform when they were rebranding from ABC Family. He took me with him. I told everyone there that I wanted to be in a writer's room. I lobbied for it. And then when uh, you know when shows started hiring and they started picking up new shows, I was at the tip of everyone's brain. I made sure that I got on the radar of the producers of the shows. It's like any access you have without being a psycho and freaking people out. Like any access that you. have Available to you, like jump on that, utilize it. Even if the only people you know are set pants. if you just got to LA and those are the only people you know, make sure they know because everyone has their own network. It's just like a gigantic, expanding spider web of connections. And the more people who know that you're solid and that you're trying to get into a room, the better off you're gonna be.
0: That and two additional things. Um, one thing that I took from doing theater stuff in high school is you're always auditioning all the time. Um, your interview is just a formality uh, most of the time. Um, everything before and after that counts. Your Twitter accounts, all of your social media accounts. If you've tweeted about how much you hate certain networks or hate certain shows, people don't wanna hire the people who are like, ah, Fox sucks. And then you're like interviewing for a job at Fox and they're like, mmm, <laughs> what's that? Um, and every, I mean, just be careful, <laughs>
1: um,
0: but like everything after that, like if you're, if you just get a writer's assistant job and you're like, I want to be a writer, that's great, but if you're in the room, and you're leaning back like this, and you don't care, and you're not paying attention, that's part of it, they're going to think you don't care, because you're showing them that you don't care, um, so just care all the time, and I guess, and
3: neglecting your duties, yes, your job is,
0: the, the thing you're paying, being paid to do, is the thing you should care the most about, at that moment uh, all the time. If you're a writer's assistant, be good at that and then also do good things.
9: Um, also, can I just throw out one piece of advice? Yeah. Uh, if you just message people who are writer's assistants like off of LinkedIn, most of them are willing to grab coffee. Yeah. Yep. That's literally how I met like Danielle. Yes. Uh, I literally remember I was like, oh, she's a writer's assistant. We DM'd on
1: Twitter. Yeah, I
9: was like, oh yeah, yeah. I was like, hi, you're cool. <laughs> That's <laughs> how I met Dan with Twitter. Yeah, Rachel, I think I may them to Facebook. Yeah, I and people um, we'll reach yeah.
5: out to me blind via email. Like yeah, it. and most
9: of us yeah. are at a point in our careers where we don't know people who want to be writer's PAs, and like, it, like I don't mind meeting people and putting them up for jobs. Yeah, like, we'll do it. My yeah. boss, who's a showrunner, doesn't know people who want to be assistants. She only knows people who want to be writers, so it's like, yeah. like even just reaching out to people, like, they're usually willing to talk to you or help you. I talk to people
0: over DMs on Twitter like twice a week.
9: Like, oh, people find me on
0: LinkedIn, they find my Twitter, and they're like, hey, you worked at Conan, can I ask you 20 questions? And I'm like, yes. Um, real quick before it's I super hand it fasting this is also very it, extremely quick. Is this it's super, subject? super fast, okay. yes.
5: I had someone reach out to me blindly, and they said, I will take an hour of your time. When it hit an hour, she literally looked at her watch, said, that's been an hour. Thank you so much and gave me the opportunity to either say no I'm I like okay we'll say goodbye or continue talking to her she is wonderful she continues to work here and Johnson awesome, I'm sure many people have met her but she is extremely conscientious of people's time and it makes a huge impression that's a cool move do that yes um, <laughs>
0: my second piece was going to be
5: um, whatever type of phone you have
0: download the Google Drive apps yes. and keep your resume has a Word doc and a PDF at all times. Yes. Um, I have had jobs when I was at J.Crew. I had to apply to a job from the shoe closet, but I was able to do that because I had my resume pulled up on my phone, a current version, literally every day, but that's also because I
4: was very thirsty, <laughs> like,
0: like praying in the shoe closet. Um, a
3: draft in your email will also work.
4: Yes,
0: if you keep a draft in your email, that's good. I like to just keep it in, um, as a working doc and then a PDF all the time because if you have it as both and you're not doing updates every day per se, you know. But like let's say you get one day job and you add it to your resume and then you can export it as a PDF and send it in the email in like under 30 seconds. So be ready is the thing. Like that's what you were saying about write a great thing. Write a pilot. Yes, obviously have writing if you want to be a writer, you have to be writing. But You always want to be ready if someone asks you for something. If someone texts you and is like, hey, I'd love to put you up for a job. Send me your resume. They mean in five minutes. They don't mean like, yeah, take a week. Like, the job is gone. Um, So you have to be ready. If someone says, I want to send you to my manager, send me a sample. They mean today. They don't mean give it to me whenever you finish it. Like, you got to have it already. Um, And a sample, like, I, I mean, we can all speak to this. Samples change all the time. I had like a sketch packet, I had a monologue packet when I was in late night. Now, my stuff is more half hour, so I have a pilot, actually two pilots, two pilots, and like a spec from the present year. So, it's just ready to go. It's a Google Drive folder with those three scripts in it. And if someone says, I wanna send you out, I can link them to the folder. Like, you just gotta be on top of your shit and be ready to go. Sorry, I should've been more positive. Like, be ready to go. (laughs) Oh yeah. Hi, okay. Um I am excited and nauseous because I start a writer's assistant position
8: tomorrow. Like, Yay! And, um, Congratulations, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um I'm eight-week room, I'm a slash position, writer's assistant script coordinator. Um and having been a writer's PA, I was a feral child in production, eating on a garbage can <laughs> as a straw assistant. And this is a room of all women, like, it's going to oh, be super yes. supportive, no harassment. Oh, wait, you posted in the group, right? Oh, yeah, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're like, like, I'm starting the next day. Yeah, like, I'm starting tomorrow. So, <laughs> like, y'all, what should I establish this week? Like, I don't want to be the feral child. I want to be, like, normal and, and happy. And, <laughs> like, not a crazy person, but just in terms of, like, building the bond with the writers and keeping the energy up. What have you found is like good and productive because you're the mascot, you know? Like what are good activities that I can
2: low key incorporate as a baby fresh writer's assistant? Low key know
3: what the writers that you're working with have worked on previously and be able to talk to them about that because that'll establish like a connection kind of right off the bat. Um, (laughs) A lot of the stuff that we've talked about previously is good, but also just be like really, it sounds like you're a very positive person. Be a positive person, be someone that they're excited they have to be in the room with for this many hours a day. Um, I feel like that's always the the best way to establish yourself in a group.
0: If you're gonna go like grab yourself a drink, always ask if anyone wants anything. Um, It just, like not in like a way that's like, I'm going to serve you every time I get something. Uh, But like, if you know, they think it's cute. Um, Also, whenever you're ordering lunch, I don't know if you guys do this, I always under order by like $2. Like if the budget is like eighteen dollars, I'll get something that's like sixteen or seventeen. I never go to like twenty-two. Like the showrunner sometimes will be like, whatever, I can get whatever I want. Thirty-dollar lunch. I always do like just a little under, unless I am getting like two things and I want something for dinner.
8: <laughs> um, this this seminar probably could just be called thirst management. That's <laughs> a big part of. Like, every, obviously people want to work with people who are eager to work there, but nobody wants to work with someone who's like, too eager to work there. Um, one thing that we briefly touched on was the idea, the concept of like, room pitching. And like, as an assistant, your primary job in the room is to take notes and, and do that kind of thing. But in, so it sounds like you're going into a supportive room, which is great. Um, and they will probably be open to you pitching ideas. And my advice for that is to is less is more, especially when you're starting out. Um, I made it a point in my first couple months of working at my current job to only pitch when the room was like stuck on something, like if you're stuck on a joke or stuck in a story thing. Because that way, if you pitch something you're confident about and it gets people out of a rut, now you're a hero. Like trying to get a high batting average is <laughs> is, uh, is the name of the game. And um, yeah, if anyone finds themselves in a room where you are explicitly banned from pitching, like I was a few years ago, get out of there? Because that means they're not taking you seriously as a writer.
5: Um, if you see problems, handle them before someone else notices them. Not just with yourself, but with everyone else. The drinks aren't stopped, things like that. Just handle it. Um, and if somebody, sometimes writers, um, have tantrums because they're having stuff that's going on in their life that has nothing to do with you. Water off a duck's back. You are unflappable. And if you can be unflappable when they are having a personal issue, you can be unflappable when there's something in the room that's a problem that needs to be handled right now with care. So the more you can be completely stable and like just, this isn't a problem. We can totally fix that. Positive attitude, the better off you're gonna be.
6: Read the room when it comes to lunch. Like lunch for writers is life. <laughs> and like knowing like if your starter is having a bad day, what their favorite places and stuff like that, like paying attention to how they order, what they're not eating, um, like what the restaurants are in favor, like they of in the area, stuff like lunch is vital. Like, lunch is life. Just so you know.
2: I would also say just like form establish like a bond with your assistants as well, because at the end of the day, like those are the people who are going to be saving your ass. Um, the can't save your ass. You're saving theirs. Um, and so, like, get like set off a good rapport with your co-assistants um, because not only is it like helpful, but it just makes work fun. When like that's your crew, you have your group chat going. Like, it just makes it it makes your days easier.
0: Yes, support system. That's the whole thing. Your support staff. You're supporting the writers and the showrunners, but you're supporting each other. It's important. Um, one more
5: question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have any advice when you're going on your first writers assistant interviews after you've done like writer PA, showrunner
1: assistant?
5: I yeah.
0: It is a good question. If you couldn't hear, uh, it's. Do you have any advice for going on your first writers assistant? Interview after being like a PA or showrunner's assistant. I'll um, say I do think
1: a main thing is
0: like play up how often you have been in a room uh, that you know the dynamics of a room. You know, you know, who, like you just know what's what. And yes, you can type fast. You should tell them that I think. Um, but yeah, it's important to just that they know that you know the vibe. Writerships are weird, and they get weird, and. Uh, <laughs> it's not a normal workplace. So if you can establish, like, listen, I get it, and I've been in them before, and I've seen the position, and I know how to do it, they're gonna be like, tight, great.
2: Also ask um, whoever you're interviewing with like what the notes process is. Um, my first show did notes transcription style, and then the writer's assistant, that was all the writer's did. Was, uh, assistant did is transcribe. And then when I went to my next show, I was pitching, I was writing the outline, I was doing, and I just, I was, it was like culture shy. There was like a two week period where I was like, oh my God, they need to fire me because I don't know how to do this. And so had I known that like, that's what the showrunner had expected before, it would have made that onboarding much easier because that's what I knew. But I thought every room was going to be like my first room and every writer's room is vastly different from the next. (laughs) Um, and so, like, asking your showrunner, like, what kind of notes they prefer, how they want things organized, do they want to Google Draw, like, and having examples if you've done that kind of thing is always super helpful, like, yeah, I've done this job, like, and yeah, make yourself, like, shiny and awesome and and excited and, and let them know you're also willing to do, if lunch needs to be grabbed one day, you're willing to do that, like, the thing I think that saves me is that I'm always the most helpful person like I'm always down I'll wash dishes I'll grab lunch I'll like run out to your car it doesn't matter um, because that's the kind of person they want to spend hours and hours and hours with.
6: I was just gonna say research like you should know their credits you should know where they worked work before and if you are you a comedy is it comedy or drama. It's drama. Oh. Well in comedy um, it's like a fraternity, so they all know each other, yeah. and like they're like, oh, do you know so and so? He was in your I'm like, yeah, I know so
1: and so. We can't do there. Like, <laughs> you
6: have to be like that person, and you need to love the show. I don't care if you don't like the show; it's not your genre. Not if you're in that, show. watch the show. Watch the don't the credits. Yes. don't if they got an Emmy. Like, just love the show so much because you're in room for it. Yeah.
3: My uh, go-to interview question when I'm in an interview is to ask what has worked for you in the past and what hasn't with writers' assistance. Um, I think that helps you understand what they're expecting, but also gives you perspective on their leadership skills. Because um, again, you're interviewing them but they're also you're they're interviewing you but you're also interviewing them, blah blah blah. Um, but that's I feel like always helps sort of get you on the, everybody on the same page.
8: Uh, not to sound like an after school special, but like be yourself yes. and like be you know positive and like don't be afraid to show some personality because and for these entry-level supports, entry-level, but you know, three years of
1: experience <laughs> for these
8: entry-level positions, especially in the writer's room where you're gonna be spending time together, they have a stack of 100 resumes that they can pull through, but at the end of the day, they're gonna hire someone that they know they can be around for 12, 14 hours a day. And uh, yeah, just so much of you know, getting your next job is just being cool.
1: Yeah,
9: also it helps if you have a weird skill. Like I, the reason I got the job on that Paul Feig show and I was the only person she interviewed was because I knew how to code and it was about women who code and they didn't want to speak to anybody who didn't know how to code. I was literally the only one.
5: (laughs) At the bottom of your resume, you know how there's sometimes like extra skill, blah, blah, blah. Every single interview I've always, always, always been asked about them. And I put on there forever ago, binge watching TV shows, Every single interview I've ever had, someone's asked me what I've recently been watching. So if you have something that you, like, really love, or if it's a weird quirk of yours or something like that, put it at the bottom of your resume. That's part of who you are. That's part of who you're presenting. So put that there.
9: And it helps to be able to pitch yourself and know what you can contribute to a show. Like, for my show, it's a cartel drama. Obviously, I've never worked in a cartel. But as far as me, <laughs> but for me, I could be like, I'm an immigrant, and I understand like the American dream, and I understand our characters' desires to like escape a bad situation and like move to America. I'm like, I get that, you know. So even just being able to pitch yourself as like a story helps.
4: Right. Um, in addition to my resume, I always print out a list of references and at the end of our interview, I ask if they want them or not. And like, if you don't want it, I'll take it with me, but if you want to have it, take it with you. And people have always really appreciated that. And I also stopped them on social media before, and if you have any connections, especially if it's a writer that you've worked with before, put that person on your list of references, because in this industry that it's all about who you know and who can vouch for you, if they see that name on a list of references, they're already like, oh, well, I already know this is gonna be a good, decent person because they've worked with my friend before.
0: I'll say, I started putting my references on my resume. (laughs) But this was when I, again, was like super, super thirsty.
4: Um,
0: But it worked. So if you have like really tight references, like mine are very good, and I love them. Um, But I just stick them right on the bottom, and then it's all on one page. And then they're like, it's up to them if they call them or not, but they're there. Like I wouldn't put them on there if they wouldn't vouch for me, you know? Um, One more thing, if your resume sucks, talk to me after. Um, And also, oh no, I forgot my last thing, damn. Yeah, I
6: was just gonna say it really quickly, if you're a comedy, comedy writer and you do stand up or you do sketch, you do improv or ECB or Second City, put that on your resume. Yes, yes. I talk about I used to be, I talk about stand up all the time in all of my interviews and they fucking love that shit. So just put it on <laughs> your resume if you yeah. do it. Uh, I'm sad I forgot my second thing. There's one more question. Yeah, let's take one
0: more in the back. Top loud. Okay, um last
8: week well, I, I just gave you uh showing producers for my first staffing gate, so I was wondering there's like advice you know, s- on if I do get it, uh, what to do. Like, since I've never been in
0: a room before. So, wait, you were interviewing for your staff. first staffing job? Yes. With showrunners? With showrunners and producers. Okay, staff- to be a staff writer? Yes. Okay, so you can <laughs> <not> come
5: <attach you. laughs> uh, Secondly, um, first thing you do, be super friendly with everybody. Take some time to get to know the room. Take some time to get to know how everyone else knows each other. Um, Paying attention to the interpersonal relationships in a room is going to be your saving grace because if certain people don't like each other, if certain people really love each other. um, I worked in a room where the showrunner's best friend was one of the writers. Um, You're always gonna need to be aware of that. Um, Take some time, I'm not saying don't pitch, take some time to really listen before you start speaking. Um, because that's going to help you understand not only what's going to be successful in your pitches and what's going to be successful in the room, but what you contribute that other people don't. Um, I once had a showrunner tell me, and it's I've held on to it forever, that putting together a writer's room is like casting a show. You don't want to have the same person in every single position. You want to have people who are doing different things. You want to have people that are good at stories, some people that are good at structure, some people that are, whatever it is, find out the thing that you contribute that other people don't. So if you have like really great punch up jokes, right? You're going to be the punch up person. It doesn't mean you don't do the other things. It just means that you're going to be the person that kind of fills in that role. Um, so finding out where you fit among the room is going to be of chief importance Second thing, if you haven't gotten your hands on scripts, if you haven't gotten your hands on the show, absorb all of it. You can now be, it's worked for me, so I don't know if everyone else, um, anyone else has had this experience, but being an encyclopedia of the show is a very good thing to be because you're going to be able to rattle off things that you already know that someone else is going to have to look up or think about. Um, making yourself that kind of contributor is always good.
1: You, there
3: are like a lot of different roles in the room as Lauren was saying and it's like even if you're someone that doesn't pitch often, if you are able to do research and come into the room with that information or if you have to write out your pitches before and then come into the room with some ideas about that, that is great. The worst thing that you can do is be the person that never said a word and then they don't, like we had a we had a person that was um, in our room on a show that I worked on and he never opened his mouth and his contract did not get extended, and he really blew an opportunity to have have found a role in the room. Yeah, Um, we are gonna have to wrap this up, but
0: I also wanted to say that I remembered the thing that I forgot. And that was, um, when you are making friends, which you are doing, if you're at the point where you're trying to get writer's assistant jobs, you know a couple people by now. If you know someone who is a writer's assistant, and you're in an interview, and they say like, oh well, you've never done this job before. Use your friend. You can say like, I know I have a very close contact who has done the job before, and they're willing to answer any question for me at any time. I mean, ask your friend first, obviously. Don't <laughs> be weird. Um, because if they know that you have like a lifeline, if you need one, that gives you a leg up because you're not just like floating around by yourself. Like, oh, I've never done the job before. Give me a chance. Like, you have to know a couple people. Which again, you do by this point, you're surrounded by 100 people right now, I'm sure you know at least one person in this room, so, you know, ask your friends for help. I've asked friends for help many times, and when someone leaves a show, I've been like, can I contact you if something comes up, and they have always said yes, so.
5: And if you don't know someone, blind reach out to them, the odds are they're going to say yes.
0: We like helping people.
5: (laughs) That's kind of the whole thing.
0: but yeah, we do have to wrap up because I have to clean up all the food. So thank you so much <laughs> for coming. Uh, well, you don't to up, uh. Uh, thank you to Thank you to the people who came early and helped me, and to the people who will be staying to help me clean it up. Um, if you have
3: questions,
0: I mean most of you been with me, so I have your names. Uh, but if you have like, questions, you can find me on Facebook and whatever. Um, again, if your resume sucks, hit me up. I've done resumes for people on the panel. She and did mine. people in this So uh, that's a big thing, of getting your foot in the door is having a good resume. So yeah, take some bagels. There's an entire bag, untouched. And I cannot <laughs> I drive with it
4: back to my apartment.
0: Um, so yeah, take snacks. Otherwise, I'm taking it home, so take stuff while you can. Thank you, thank you, UCB. <laughs> Hi, so thank you for listening. If you made it all the way through, that's awesome. Um, You might have noticed it ended very abruptly. I have no excuse or reason for that. It just happened. But I would like to say thank you to Western Bagel and Studio City for giving us so many bagels, and to UCB Sunset for letting us um, put this up in their inner sanctum space. So thank you so much. Thanks to everyone, again, who helped me both on the panel, cleaning up, and setting up everything, Um, you were all so helpful. So thanks so much. See you next episode.